last night. Wow! I was up in the loft room. I'm relegated to the loft room in the week. I know, it's it's a sad, lonely existence. It doesn't matter, I'll be fine. But I was up in the loft, and the rain was... It was incredible. It sounded incredible. Uh, Anyway, lots coming up on this morning between now and nine o'clock. And as always, it would be nice to get your opinion on some of these. MP for Midbeds, Nadine Doris, is to meet with the Chief Whip today. What's your opinion of her now that she's back from the jungle? Parking wardens are dishing out tickets in Kings Langley whilst they are parking illegally in disabled bays and on double yellow lines. Very naughty. Have you seen something where you live? And residents in Luton are becoming increasingly frustrated by a bad smell that's polluting the air. Our reporter, Justin Daly, is going to be there to find out what's causing the stink. If you want to get in touch, lots of ways you can do it. You can uh, give us a call, 08459 455 555. You can text 81333, starting your text 3CR, or you can go to the Facebook page. And if you do go to the Facebook page now, you can see the, the marvellously healthy breakfast I've, I've had this morning. A can of Coke, a Mars bar and a Twix. Oh, what? What's wrong with that? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, if you live in mid-beds, you may be wondering, what's happened to your MP since she left the programme, I'm a celebrity, get me out of it? Well, Nadine Doris surprised everyone, I think, by arriving back home from the jungle yesterday. Twitter was a flurry. Oh, she's back. Oh, she's, oh, she's back. Twitter was very excited. As were lots of people here at BBC Three Counties Radio running around like headless chickens. She's been summoned to a meeting with the government chief whip, Sir George Young, this morning. And she was temporarily suspended by her party for taking part in the reality TV show without permission. She's denying that her behaviour was undignified, insisting that she's helped publicise politics more than if she'd stayed at Westminster. Well, BBC Three Counties reporter Tony Fisher caught up with her at her home in Westerning and asked her why she was back from the jungle so soon. Um, I was never intended to be away till the end of the programme. In this programme, people don't vote you out, they vote you in. And MPs don't have a fan base. Corrie Stars, EastEnders, World Heavyweight Boxing Champions do have a fan base. So when I took the decision whether or not to do it, I was on pretty safe ground knowing that my maximum stint would be 12 days. And actually, I accepted it on a number of criteria. One was that I would only be in there for 12 days maximum. The other was that it had 12 million viewers. I thought that was a fantastic opportunity to engage with a lot of viewers. So you knew you were going to be in there for 12 days? I knew I'd be the first voted out, absolutely. (laughs) So, well, actually, it's not... You couldn't guarantee that, could you? No, it wasn't that I was voted out. It's that I wouldn't be voted in. So when you look at the voting system, no one is voted out, people are voted in. And I knew not that MPs don't have a fan base. And so I knew that if you don't have a fan base, take Ashley Roberts, for instance. Ashley has a fan club in the UK of over 200,000 members. Obviously, that's Ashley's fan yeah. base that are going to vote for Ashley. Then MPs don't have a fan club. We don't but that was one base. of your stipulations, that you'd only be in there for 12 days. No, it wasn't a stipulation, it was a calculated risk. Talking to the producers, we all agreed that it was very likely. Now, you're obviously aware of the flack that you've had over here in this country. Yeah. Uh, a lot of constituency, a lot of constituents, your local 
Tory party in Shefford, mm. very angry with you for going away. There was a row about the laying of the wreath and all of that. So what do you say to your constituents and but people like Budge Wells? Well, I've just, I've just been talking to Budge on the phone just now, actually. Um, there's absolutely no problem between Budge and I. Um, I think, unfortunately, my constituents have been hyped up by the press who have run stories that I've disappeared and I'm going away for a month. And I've actually missed three parliamentary sitting days. I actually worked throughout the entire summer recess and only had four days away. In seven and a half years, I have never taken a day away during parliamentary time. Um, None of that has been put to my constituents. Um, I work very hard as a constituency MP. But unfortunately, as you well know, but unfortunately, I think the national media, who just love to whip up a story, um, have done so. And I think a number of my constituents have believed what they've read in the newspapers, unfortunately. In the time that you've had off, you've not been able to represent your constituents. That's fair comment, isn't it? Or No, it's not a fair comment at all. Most of the time I was off was half-term holiday for Parliament. When I'm working throughout the summer... When all the other MPs are abroad, taking their six weeks abroad, are they criticised by their local media for not representing their constituents? Are you telling me that I'm not allowed to have any time off at all? Because I worked throughout the summer in my constituency and I've had those three days. So are you telling me I'm not allowed ever to go away? I took the half-term holiday of ten days and added three days onto it to go away. Have you spoken to the Tory party here in this? Yes, I have. I've had um, a conversation with the Chief Whip this morning. Actually, most of this hysteria has been whipped up by the Tory party. And it's been whipped up because they thought I was going to go... And they were. I think when they realised that I was going to speak to an audience of 12 million people, there was a kind of panic took over because I think they thought I was going to go and talk about David Cameron and George Osborne. Um, I never was. That's not the reason why I did it. So reporter Tony Fisher speaking uh, to Nadine Doris yesterday. She's going to be on Jonathan Vernon Smith's show this morning, as, uh, if, if Twitter is to believe, from uh, 11 o'clock, I think. He's moving, he's kind of moving his show a little bit. He's going to be doing the Consumer Hour at 10, uh, and then speaking to Nadine Doris. Fingers crossed, if she answers, at 11 o'clock. On this show, after 7, we'll be speaking to Andy McSmith. He's the senior reporter at The Independent, and also PR man Max Clifford. I, I, I want to hear what you think this morning. What's your opinion of Nadine Doris now she's back from the jungle? She puts up quite a strong case, doesn't she? She only really missed three days. It was half term. Never taken a day off in seven years. 08459 455555. And also, I'm, I'm keen to talk about these naughty traffic wardens. Parking in disabled bays and on double yellow lines. If you've seen them do that, could you give us a call and to sort of let us know where? We're on the hunt for you, traffic wardens. Ah, oh, do you remember Michael Jackson? Jim Brewer was good, wasn't he? Did those songs, did all the songs and um, the dance and the stuff. Did that dance like he was out in space? What was it the um, moonwalk? Wasn't it? Yeah, it's good all that. I like that. Very sad. Very sad ending. Right. Morning. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Have a quick look at some of the front pages of the newspapers, shall we, before we crack on? Ah, dear, right. The Daily Telegraph. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, new bank boss comes to UK for greatest of challenges. The, the, the new head of the Bank of England is a Canadian. What? He's not, he's not British. What? 
And then there's a picture of Jennifer, uh, Jessica Ennis, Sally believes. Uh, Jessica Ennis believes young girls are afraid of taking up sport in case it makes them look too muscular. Well, they'd be right to uh, not want to take up sport for that reason. <laughs> you know, I mean, anyway. Uh, the Guardian revealed how secret dealers buy up London. Um, the real identities behind British property deals previously cloaked in secrecy are revealed today. The Times. Ah, uh, this is why there's lots of sport. We'll be talking about this on the show later on, actually, after half past. Sports personality of the year. The, the, the odds are out. Who's, who's it going to be? Uh, the Times. Chancellor banks on top outsider to save a, uh, economy. It's a Canadian man. is the head of the Bank of England. The Independent. The same. Osborne gets his man. Uh, the Express. Uh, icy blast will last a month. Now Britain faces sub-zero chaos until Christmas. Well, well, it's it's winter, isn't it? That that's what happens in winter. It gets cold. That's not news, is it? I remember. I remember um, last winter. It got cold, and the one before. The Daily Mail's got perhaps the most terrifying front page you've ever seen in your life. A vomiting virus sweeps Britain. Yeah, vomit- a vomiting virus is sweeping Britain. So I'll get it. I get everything. Uh, and the sun, uh, there's a lady from Coronation Street with her boobs, and UKIP foster couple, our agony. They blast ca- uh, council's racist slur. Sophie Tyler, BBC, six, uh, three counties music. Oh, Sophie, Ooh. remember where you are, please. Very naughty. Thank you, Sophie. Paloma Faith. She has what my wife would describe as a very busy mouth. Lots of teeth. Lots of teeth, isn't she, Paloma Faith? Very big gums as well. I'm not a fan of gums. Go Google her. Go and Google her. You'll see her gums. Honestly, try it, Ollie. Work experience, Ollie. Google her. Look at her gums and her busy mouth. I notice these things. That's what I'm here for. Now, if you get a parking ticket uh, in the... Go and Google her, seriously, Paloma Faith. If you get a parking ticket in the future, have a look at where the traffic warden has left his or her vehicle. Because wardens in, King, uh, in Kings Langley are parking illegally to dish out tickets. And the MP for Hemel Hempstead says he's had enough. Mike Penning has been handed photographic evidence of enforcement vans in disabled bays, across gateways and in bus stops. Well, we'll speak to Mike later on in the programme. In the meantime, our reporter Justin Dealey has been out to meet local businessman Jeff Falkins and Mark Morehouse to find out what's going on. So, Jeff, we're in Kings Langley, lovely village, but your village has been plagued by traffic wardens. What have they been up to here? Well, the traffic wardens do their job properly through the day. We have no problem with that. In the evenings, however, about quarter to seven, ten to seven, they've been coming and parking illegally themselves in a bus bay to ticket people who might park there to go to one of the local restaurants in the village. But they also park across gates, or gone zigzags in front of a pedestrian crossing, which is dangerous and restrictive, and then they issue tickets. We've also seen them parking in a disabled bay during the middle of the day, obstructing cars from using the disabled bay. And when challenged, they've said to us, quote-unquote, we can do what we want. And we think that's wrong, and our MP thinks that's wrong as well. So we've been complaining because it dissuades people from coming to the village and using the services and availability of shops here. Now, when they've said to you, we can do what we want, how does that make you feel? Well, it's a particularly angering because it's although they're acting for the councils, it's Vinci parking. It's a private contractor. They're making money. And there's no sense of community anymore where, you, where someone might have said in the past, come on, mate, move your car. There's no leeway given. Mark, you've got photographic evidence. Tell us what you've seen here in Kings Langley. Well, it was actually on the 27th of September at about half past three. I saw this moped pull up into the disabled bay and the guy got off it removed his crash helmet, put on his peak cap for the the parking restrictions, and proceeded to wander up and down the high street. I'm a smoker, I was sitting outside watching what was going on, and I saw three cars 
all of which had disabled badges clearly visible, wanting to park in the disabled bay, which is outside Boots the Chemist for a specific reason. Because of the scooter being there, they could not park there. Now, that to me is, is, is fundamentally wrong. I grew up in Kingsland and we've never, ever had a parking problem. And as Jeff says, to me, it's all about revenue raising. It's not about traffic management. And these people, as far as you're concerned, are just arrogant. When you have approached them again, they've said, well, we can do what we want, thank you. They can. When we had parking wardens who were controlled by the police, they were much more friendly. It wasn't about revenue raising. Yeah, you could run out to them and sort of say, look, I'm going to be two minutes, and they'd say, fine, not a problem, on your way. But it's just the sheer revenue and arrogance, and they don't care at all. Jeff, a final word for yourself. Um, just explain to our listeners the current parking restrictions here in Kings Langley. We've got a great thing going with the council here. They, they are bays, parking bays up and down the high street. The parking is free for one hour during the day up until 6.30. There is a bus bay in the middle of the high street and it's restricted from 7 in the morning till 7 at night and cars are not allowed to stop there and they shouldn't because buses need access. As shop owners, we really appreciate that from the council and we want to work with the council. They've always been great about everything but we think that their private contractors are taking advantage of the situation. So traffic wardens are parking in disabled bays and they're parking in this bus stop as well as you mentioned the restriction there, 7 till 7. They're actually parking in that restriction to book other people. That's right and even more importantly they're, booking on the, they're, they're parking on the zigzag line in front of an access gate, in front of a pedestrian crossing. And that is just sheer dangerous. And this is not something new. This has been going on for months. Now you contacted your local MP, Mike Penning. Enough is enough. This must stop. Well, it has to. They shouldn't be allowed to be getting away with that. They're not essential services. And even more galling is the fact that when they've been doing this, more often than not, there's an open parking spot available for them to put their car legally. Or, for that matter, in the loading bay opposite the butchers, which is off the road and out of the way. It's lazy, it's outrageous. It stops right now. We hope so. Justin Daly reporting that if you want it, we've got pictures of this. If you want to see it, go to facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR and you can see these naughty traffic wardens. Uh, we asked Vinci Parking uh, Services to join us on the programme. They declined. They sent us a statement. Can I just say, companies don't... Uh, I'm not going to read all the statement. It's too long. If you send a statement, people instantly think bad of you. Even if the statement is saying we're going to give away gold and money. People instantly think, oh, it's a statement. It's a bit cold. It's a bit heartless. So always come on if you're given the opportunity. Um, we work very closely with the client at the council to ensure our traffic wardens comply with correct parking legislation. We'll be in contact with uh, MP Mike Penning to discuss his issues first further and allow him to ask any questions he may have. We also asked uh, Decorum Borough Council to join us on the service. They didn't return our calls. It, it, it raises a couple of things here. Um, have you seen traffic wardens parking illegally where you live? 08459 455 555. It does happen. I've seen it happen. It does happen. It's very naughty. What would be great, and I would, of course, would never encourage this, but if someone did it spontaneously, go and put a parking ticket on a traffic warden's car. That would learn them, wouldn't it? But then there was another thing in that report there where one of the chaps said, oh, you know, normally, in the past, you know, if, if I popped into a shop and there's a traffic one, I could come out and they'll give me a couple of minutes. I do kind of think, if you've parked where you shouldn't park, you should get a ticket. I, I've got tickets parking where I shouldn't park, and you're frustrated and you think, oh, nuts. But you shouldn't have parked there. But, naughty traffic wardens, 08459... Four double five five double five. Can you give us a call, please, and tell us where are the worst places for these naughty, naughty traffic wardens? On FM, AM, and online, BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, there's uh, a story 
in quite a few of the newspapers um, this morning. Uh, I'd like to get your uh, ideas and what you think about it, please. If you live an unhealthy lifestyle, should you pay more for your healthcare? Healthcare. Conservative MP Dr Philip Lee, no relation, uh, is a practising GP. Oh, there we go, that rhymes, doesn't it? Conservative MP Dr Philip Lee, he's a practising GP. Uh, he's suggesting that those with problems like type 2 di- diabetes should pay for their health care if they lead an unhealthy lifestyle. He said such diseases are causing an increase, an unsustainable burden on the NHS. So he suggests some people may have to pay more for the drugs they need. Philip Lee said the health service could probably limp on for the rest of this decade, but warned pressure from baby boomers and younger patients who he accused of being less stoic than the war generation meant the system needs radical reform. The Department of Health says it remains committed to a publicly funded NHS free at the point of delivery. So what do you reckon? Do you agree with this? If you live an unhealthy lifestyle, should you pay more for your health care? Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. I wish I liked football. I feel I'm missing something by not. It sounds exciting when Catherine talks about, oh, you can go to the different frequencies and you can hear all... I just think, oh, I wish... I wish I had that. I tell you how sad I am. I watched a documentary last night about Star Trek fans at a Star Trek convention, and I cried. I cried. Oh, God, that's how pathetic my life. I mean, one of the fans died, that was, so that was quite sad. But then there was a bit where this geeky Star Trek fan proposed to his girlfriend on stage, and they were dressed as Romulans, and I just, oh... Coming up in the next half hour of the show, we reveal the names of the sportsmen and women up for the Sports Personality of the Year Award. And the selection, there's a good choice, but it's a little bit disappointing for us here in the three counties. And I don't know if you've noticed, there is a bad pong in Luton. The Environment Agency believes the odour is coming from the Vauxhall IBC plant. Have you smelt it? I do like a good uh, bad smell story. I do. Well, our reporter Justin Dealey is on his way there to find out what's causing such a stink. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. The contenders for the BBC Sports Personality of the Year Award have been announced. There's a short list of 12, rather than the usual 10, after the unprecedented success of Britain's sportsmen and women at the London Olympics and Paralympics. But no place for Hertfordshire's Laura Trott or for fellow Stockfold cyclist Victoria Pendleton. The nominees have been chosen by a panel that included former nominees Sir Stephen Redgrave, Baroness Tanny Gray-Thompson and Denise Lewis. We can talk to our reporter now, Jane Prendergast. Good morning, Jane. Oh, you're there. Hello, Jane. Hello. Can you run us through the shortlist? Who's there? Well, let's start with uh, Jessica Ennis, of course, who was poster girl of uh, London 2012. She won gold in the heptathlon. We have Andy Murray, a very successful year for him. His first major Grand Slam tournament, of course, gold in the Olympics men's singles, silver in the mixed doubles. We have Sir Chris Hoy on the list. He, of course, won two golds at London 2012, making him Britain's most successful winner with six golds in total. We have Mo Farah, who, of course, won the 5,000 and 10,000 metres. Ben Ainsley, whose uh, win this summer saw him become the world's most successful Olympic sailor. The Paralympic cyclist Sarah Storey, she won four gold medals at London 2012 to become Britain's most decorated female Paralympian. Nicola Adams, many will remember her. She created Olympic history by becoming the first woman to win a boxing gold medal. We have the Paralympic swimmer Ellie Simmons, who won two golds. Wheelchair racer David Weir, he won four gold medals this summer. 
the Roakath Granger, who finally won a gold um, in 2012 after three Olympics of, of getting a silver. Um, Bradley Wiggins, of course, created history. The sideburns. He's oh. the sideburns man, isn't he? Sideburns. Yes. Um, winner of the Tour de France, of course, he was, and the Olympic gold time trial. And then we have the one person in the list who's not an Olympian or a Paralympian, and that is the Northern Ireland golfer Rory McIlroy, who had an amazing year, um, topped the money list in Europe and the United States, and won his second major. And of course, he was a key member of the European Ryder Cup team as well. See, each one of those you mentioned, I was thinking, oh yeah, it'll be them. And then until you went to the next person, oh no, no, it'll probably be her. Oh no, no, hang on, it'll be him. It must have been impossible to draw up this list this year. It's really possible to choose a winner, definitely. Well, they did say it is going to be very, very hard to, to you know, pick a winner. But the, the nominations, um, Barbara Slater, who was the chair of the panel who made the nomination selection, said, you know, at times they wished they'd increased it to 12. They wished it was 15 or 20. But I think that's probably a programme that would go on all night yeah. and that uh, we wouldn't really be able to cope with on BBC One. So. Uh, why? Now, listen, Jane, for goodness sakes, why isn't Hertfordshire's Laura Trott included on this short list? Well, I think it's a little bit of what you've just alluded to. You, there are so many people who've done so well, and a lot of these are accumulators. You've got people who have won this, you know, Olympics, having done really well in previous Olympics as well, and perhaps not making sports personality before themselves. So I think for people like Laura, it may be that next time the Olympics comes around, or next time she has a very successful year, um, she will be up there. But um, maybe just a little bit too young and and that's why she missed out. Who's the favourite? Well, I think possibly, from what I've read, the favourites are Bradley Wiggins. Yeah. Um, everybody loves his personality. Andy Murray, because there are a huge number of tennis fans and everyone was waiting for his uh, first major Grand Slam as well as his Olympic gold. Um, and Mo Farah as well. A lot of people the incredibly mobot. impressed by the mobile. The, but, the, but the thing is, the, the, um, Andy Murray, it's sports personality of the year. Murray can't win that. I mean, he can win best tennis player of the year, but, it would, but I would say that, that Wiggins and, and the Mobot, they're, they're the ones with the biggest personalities that seem to shine through, aren't they? Well, I heard Gary Lineker talking about this yesterday, and he said it's always been called Spurs sports personality of the year but it is as well about sporting achievements mm. but they're not going to change the name of the program he said just as match of the day used to be about one match yep. it's now about lots of matches but they don't change the name so yes it is about personality but it also ian is about sporting achievements. jane thank you very much for putting me straight right at the end there jane prendergast uh, um, who's your money on who do you think is going to win it's going uh, uh, to be Wiggins, isn't it? The first mod to win the Tour de France since Ronnie Lane in 1967. It's going to be Wiggins, I would have thought. The Mobot... <sighs> We're all a little bit bored of the Mobot. The, the, the physical catchphrases, they, 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 they wear a bit... They get a bit tiring, don't they? After a while. And um, the, the Andy Murray, sports personality of the year... I'm not convinced. Do they have... I should have asked Jane when, while we had her on. Maybe you can tell me, dear listener. Do they have a, a different category? Is there a, a, a men's sports personality and a women's sports personality? Could you give me a call? 08459 455 555. Is there a men's sports personality and a women's? Or is it just the one? 08459 455 555. Who needs Google and Wikipedia when I have an audience of hundreds of thousands, nay millions, who are prepared to pick up the phone and answer a question when I throw it out to you? Is there a men and women sports personality of the year, or is it just one? And who do you think 
is going to win it. I- I'm bored of the Mobots, I- and I particularly got bored of the Mobot. Not not Mo Farah, you know, he's a, he's a good lad, and, and I wish him every success, but the, the physical um, uh, catchphrase he does, yeah, that's it, the Mobot. He, do- he does like a big McDonald's M on his head. And it was quite endearing, and then he started doing it too much, and then I found out it was invented by the... Who's the chubby lad who does that sports quiz on Sky? James Corden, thank you, Work Experience Ali. James Corden, he invented it. And as soon as I found that out, I was like, oh, it, it's not the spontaneous uh, gesture we all thought. It was written for him by Corden, a man who, for whatever reason, I have very little time for. So I don't know why. You know, sometimes you see people and you think, oh, I don't like them. I, apparently, a lot of people see me and have, have the similar thought. It's something you live with. And, and Corden, I think, oh. And now I know he's res- the man behind the Mobot. Who do you think is going to win Sports Personality of the Year? It's funny, isn't it? Because I'm not interested in sports really that much. But it's always a good argument to have, isn't it? It's always a good argument. And can someone just call up and answer the simple question? Is, there a, is it just one sports personality or is there a men's and a women's? Oh, wait, 459. 455. 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call on that. Also talking about Smelly Luton. I'm not being rude. I'm not being rude. The government are looking into it. And naughty traffic wardens parking... Parking where they shouldn't. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. As always, you can get in touch um, any time during the show about anything we're talking about. 08459 455 555. Now, here's a story. Residents in Luton are becoming increasingly frustrated by a bad smell that's polluting the air. Don't be rude. I know what some of you are thinking. Don't. The Environment Agency have received more than 30 complaints since July. And now the Environment Agency believe the odour is coming from the Vauxhall IBC plant. Well, this, uh, this morning, our reporter, Justin, is with Peter Juncker. He's a resident in Lalifer Road, Luton. Morning, Justin. Ian, before you start, no, the smell is not me. Uh, well, no, I was, listen, I was going to say, because you, you come in and you're all pumped up and, you, yeah. you know, you're probably getting rid of that smell <laughs> by your wonderful aftershavey odour. Well, it's not quite wonderful. It's quite cheap, actually, my aftershave this morning. As I smell here in Lalifer Road in Luton, I can't really smell anything. Take a deeper course. breath. Deeper <laughs> breath. Come on, deeper <laughs> breath. No. No, nothing. Okay, The smell's not here this morning, but Peter, of course, will tell us different. Uh, it comes at, at certain times of the day. Peter, welcome to the programme. First of all, just describe how bad this smell can be here. The smell can be very intense. It's absolutely disgusting. So much so that it, uh, it actually creeps into your house. Really? Yeah. So, so what would you describe it as? Is there anything w- which is comparable to, to this at all? It's, it tends to be two very, very strong smells, one of which is like cat's pee. Mm. That's as close as I can get to it. Um, but it's got a kind of a, 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 an underlying, very, very strong paint smell. Sounds horrible. So how long has this been going on for, then? It's been going on now for uh, probably going on for three years but i got involved when it's, it was getting really really bad about two and a half years ago just perhaps just less than that and you're probably quite annoyed this morning we've turned up here in our radio car we can't smell anything but but are there certain times of the day when this is particularly bad for you this time of day can can sometimes be really really bad um so you, you can wake up to it it's inside your house so you know you can't sleep with your windows open or anything like that uh when it's bad um but in saying that, I leave Luton early and I come back in the evening, so I tend to get it first thing of the day and later on. Um, the other day, I was off for the day and it stunk all day. But it depends on the wind direction. If the wind direction is coming this way, then we're, mm. we're stuck with it. In saying that, a slight whiff is now coming through the car. I can just about smell something. 
I wish you could. I was really <laughs> hoping today was going to be one of them bad days. Yeah, yeah. It isn't yeah. every day, but it's, it's, it is it's disgusting, believe yeah. me. Maybe it's psychological. Um, why do you think this is Vauxhall? Because the Vauxhall plant is a good mile away from here in Lallyford Road. Why do you think it's Vauxhall which is causing this smell? Well, because I've, I was never, from the start, was never sure it was Vauxhall or, or who it was. Um, but when you get down, the, the strongest point of this smell ever is alongside the cutting, alongside the wooden fence in the Vauxhall cutting. Mm. Um, and uh, I think it's been established now from the Environment Agency that it is definitely coming from there. Uh, I think this is why it's dragged on for so long, because no one could pinpoint it, uh, and nobody would, uh, would admit to anything. So I think now it is being uh, directed from that area. Um, you know, and this is not a, a personal vendetta... Uh, I just want to be able to live in an area that doesn't mm. absolutely stink. We've got a statement to come from Vauxhall in just a second, but just lastly, just how embarrassing is this? Obviously, Christmas coming up, you've got friends and family. Uh, are you thinking, well, I won't invite them over because this smell is just way too embarrassing? It's very embarrassing, as in I had a barbecue um, in the summer, and uh, it just happened to be one of them days, sod's law, that it was going to be really, very, really, really bad. And, uh, of course, everybody commented. You know, and you don't really like people to think that you live in a, a, an area that stinks like a cat's litter tray, but mm. it's, it's as bad as that. Wow. OK, put your headphones on. I'm uh, going to hand back to the studio for Ian for a second. Ian, you got a statement from Vauxhall? Uh, the companies, don't give me statements, because yeah. I, I, <laughs> I read them in a sarcastic voice, so you come yes. off looking bad. Here we go. We've got the statement from Vauxhall, OK? Vauxhall continues to investigate the source of the odours allegedly emanating from its Luton van plant. Despite working tirelessly with its internal experts, a number of external specialists and the Environment Agency, it has yet to identify the source. And there's another statement from the Environment Agency, and I've just worked out how we're going to do statements from now on. We're going to get my nan to read them. We're going to get Nanny Eileen to read the statements. The Environment Agency says, We believe the odour comes from the water curtain tanks from the paint application line for painting the vans. We are working with Vauxhall to try and establish exactly which stage in the process is giving rise to this odour, uh, and hopefully we can provide a solution. How does that make your guest feel, Justin? Yeah, go on, Peter. Uh, the, the word solution is uh, is music to the ears. That's all I really want is a solution to this. It's gone on for too long and it's a, it's a horrible thing to live with. Well, Justin, Peter, stay there, because we've got a caller on the line. We've got uh, Tim in Luton. Morning, Tim. Good morning. Tim, now listen, you, you can smell this stink as well, can you? Yes, um, I live up on the... Um, uh, Wigmore Estate, which um, is probably a, a mile further away than um, the gentleman you, um, that Justin's talking to. And with the wind in there, um, either the right or the wrong direction, I know it sounds like an oxymoron, um, it's as if I've got a tomcat that's constantly urinating. And it is, it, the, 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 the phrase that was used earlier on is cat's weed. Does it smell like a cat's litter? It smells like tomcat pee. Oy. Listen, if, if anyone has, has ever had the misfortune to be sprayed by a, a urinating cat, as I have, it's a horrible smell you can't get rid of. And Tim, have you complained? Have you spoken to anyone about this? I've spoken to the council um, oh, a couple of years ago on two or three occasions, and um, they essentially washed my, uh, they washed their hands of it. Mm. Tim, listen, stay there, because I know you want to talk about Sports Personality of the Year as well. Peter, maybe you and Tim should, should get together some kind of support group and work through this together. Yeah, I think that'd be a good idea. I think it, it, sen- it tends to be that we've been working on our own. It's myself and another guy, Ken Gaston. Um, and it seems that we've been kind of given the idea that it's just us. Yeah. Oh, it's, really? It's nice to hear that other people... Uh, well, not nice, because they're struggling with it as well, but... You know, that other people are involved and other people know about it, and it's a nuisance to everyone. Listen, you, uh, Peter and, and, uh, and Tim and everyone who's, who can smell this, you should go on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. Make yourselves known. There, there is power in numbers, Peter. 
Okay. Justin, are you staying there all morning? Or uh, you... No, I'm actually going to oh. be off to, to Westerning very, very soon. I mean, okay. well, what I can probably do is pop here on the way back a bit later on, if not tomorrow, because I'm keen to, to, to smell this, because yeah. this morning, unfortunately, as Peter was saying, you know, different times of the day, it's worse than others. This morning, we can't smell it. It's quite frustrating for Peter, because he's thinking, well, I've invited you down, and you can't smell it. So we need to come back maybe tomorrow and find out what it's really like here. Justin, can we get a photograph of you smelling? <laughs> of course you can. Excellent, I look forward to it. Then we'll put it on the Facebook page as well. Uh, Let's go back to Tim. Tim, you called in as well about the sports personality of the year. Yes, I did. D- is there a... D- oh, this is going to be such a silly question. Is there a women's and a men's category, or is there just one personality a la sport? I think we should make an exception this year. Oh. It's been essentially globally acknowledged that the, um, the Olympics and the Paralympics were a resounding success. Oh, we, we, kick, we kicked the world's backside. Um, it, we did kick ass, that's for sure. Well, I was trying to avoid using that phrase for obvious reasons, Tim, but we've said it now, it's out in the open, let's move on. Um, I, I wrote to, um, Auntie, um, some while ago and was not afforded the, um, dignity of a response. Do you mean the BBC? I do. Well done, you, for you still using that affectionate term in these troubled times, it's appreciated. Yes, yes. Um, uh, sentiment, I suppose. Um... And I, I felt that, you know, with it having been an exceptional year, we could this year perhaps make an exception with the BBC Sports Personality. Uh, and I, scrap it. I think it's impossible to single out one individual, and I think the award should go to Team GB. Team GB! That's not a bad idea, Tim. Well, as a spokesperson for the BBC, I'm acknowledging your, your comment. I'm taking it on board. I have no, no power to do anything. Apologies for that. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, 08459 455 555. If you're in Luton, can you smell that stinky smell? Scott Balcony has tweeted me saying, it's ammonia. That's dangerous, isn't it? Ammonia? Doesn't that make you go blind? I don't know. I've just said that. Don't, don't panic. Oh, God, the whole of Luton is panicking now, thinking there's a gas floating over them that's going to make them go blind. I'm sure there isn't. I'm sure it'll be... I'll shut up, shall I? Yes, I think that's probably the best thing to do. Well, she's out of the jungle, she's back home, and today Midbeds MP Nadine Doris will meet with the Chief Whip. What's your opinion of her now that she's back to work? We played an interview earlier on that she did with uh, our reporter Tony Fisher. She, you know, put up a good case for her defence, didn't she? Parking wardens in Kings Langley are parking illegally whilst they give you a ticket. Have you seen something where you live? And an early audition tape by the Beatles, which was rejected by the uh, record label Decca in 1962, goes up for auction later today. A talent scout decided, didn't want to sign them, he signed another band that were auditioning that day. That band was Brian Poole and the Tremolos. Brian's from Milton Keynes, and I'm very excited, he's going to be joining me in the next hour. The Brian Poole, I know! Justin Dealey was on the phone to him yesterday, sorting it out, and I was, I was like a little fanboy, going, oh, I can't believe it! 08459... Four double five five double five is the telephone number if you want to give us a call on that and any of the other things that we're talking about this morning. BBC Three Counties Radio. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. I'm looking that I'm about to play some audio in uh, my uh, this next report, but the audio is not there. We'll get that as soon as we can. Uh, 08459-455-555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. Nadine Doris. Nadine is going to be on Jonathan Vernon Smith's show at 11 o'clock this morning. He's, he's rejigging the show ever so slightly um, in that he's doing the Consumer Hour at 10 
and then he's having Nadine Doris on at 11. They were having a lovely little bit of Twitter banter yesterday. I think she called him a plonker. I wonder, I wonder how he's going to get on. I, I, there was talk of her coming on this show. I'm quite glad that we haven't got her, because I would find her a little bit intimidating. I'm, I'm more than happy to, uh, to be sat at home listening to JVS talking to her today. That, that, will make me, um, that will make me more comfortable, I think, as a broadcaster, to be listening to it. So she'll be on at about 11 o'clock-ish, if she answers. But she is now out of the jungle. She arrived home yesterday much to the surprise of a lot of people, uh, and she's meeting with the chief whip this morning, um, well, to have a little chat and no doubt get told off. She says that following her appearance on I'm a Celebrity, she is now the best-known MP in Britain. She insists she'll stay as a Tory MP and will fight the next election in mid-beds. <laughs> sorry, a word was being typed on my screen. It was either going to be done or don't. It was done. That's why I hesitated for a second. Our reporter, Tony Fisher, caught up with her at home. He asked her in the time that she had off, had she really been able to represent her constituents? Most of the time I was off was half-term holiday for Parliament. Um, When I'm working throughout the summer, when all the other MPs are abroad, taking their six weeks abroad, are they criticised by their local media for not representing their constituents? Are you telling me that I'm not allowed to have any time off at all. Because I worked throughout the summer in my constituency and I've had those three days. So are you telling me I'm not allowed ever to go away? I took the half-term holiday of ten days and added three days onto it to go away. Well, uh, that was Nadine Doris speaking to our reporter Tony Fisher yesterday. Andy McSmith is senior reporter for The Independent. He joins me now. Morning, Andy. Morning. You heard Nadine there. Has she let her constituency down? Well, that's a, a matter of opinion. She's, she's right that it was, she was only away for a few, day, a few days, and I don't really think the number of days that she was out of the country is going to be the main problem. But, but when she goes to see the chief whip, um, you know, these, these arguments she's putting up—they're they're, they're not bad arguments to put to the public. They're not ones that the chief whip is going to hear. Uh, he will regard it as as very discourteous of her to. Um, disappear like that and not tell the party what she was doing. There, 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 some of this does have me scratching my head a little bit because it, it seems unclear as to whether she told the chief whip at the time, Andrew Mitchell, that she was going and the, that he gave her permission. Is she being a little bit economical with the truth, do you think? Um, I, I, my impression is that she told them that she was going to take time off right. around that time. I'm, I'm quite sure she never gave them any clue that she wasn't going to go, go to the jungle and appear on I'm a Celebrity, because they were obviously taken by surprise when they found out that she was there. The first they knew about it was when she was actually, when they read about her in the paper. What do you think is going to happen uh, today, Andy, when she meets the, the Tory Chief Whip Sir George Young? Um, I think it's going to be a very difficult position, because I, you've got to remember, she has actually been removed from the Parliamentary Conservative Party. Mm. She's had the whip taken away from her. Uh, and really, what, should, what, the chief, what the whips wanted to do is to go in there, eat, eat humble pie, say, I'm sorry, I won't do it again, and then they can give the whip back to her. They, but uh, she's clearly not in that kind of mood. She's obviously not, not in, inclined to apologise. And when she goes in there all defiant and, and repeats the sort of things she's just said on that interview you broadcast a minute ago, um, it, it puts Sir George Young in a rather difficult position. On what, on what grounds does he give her the whip back, if that's her attitude? So I, I, 
I think this conversation could be heading towards a disaster. Well, a disaster for who, really? Because she, she wins whatever now. As she said, she's probably the most famous MP in Britain. Um, uh, do you think there's a chance she might go to UKIP? That's what's being rumoured, isn't it? Uh, I think that's a possibility, yes. But, and, um, but all that does is give her time in Parliament up to the next general election in 2015. Um, I think it's, Nadine Dorris thinks that being famous for going into, in, onto I'm a Celebrity is going to guarantee that she can win mid-Bedfordshire again and if she's not standing as a Conservative. I, I think that's... Uh, and uh, she's deluding herself. Listen, I don't mind, Andy, what, what MPs do once they're no longer serving MPs. They've got to make yeah. a living. Go, go and do what you want. I do... It, it, it does feel a little bit wrong to me that an MP, serving MP, would debase themselves by going on a show like I'm a Celebrity. Is, is this a new low in, in, in British political history? Well, uh, uh, yes, I, <laughs> that's my opinion, too. I thought the same thing about George Galloway going on Big Brother mm. and pretending to be a cat. Uh, I mean, I, I, I know that M people want MPs to be more or less normal people, the sort of people you wouldn't mind talking to in a pub. But, you know, it's, it's a matter of opinion. I don't particularly want to talk in a pub to somebody who's been on I'm a Celebrity, get me out of here. And also, normal, normal people don't get paid 40 grand for two weeks' work exactly, exactly. wearing bikinis yeah. in the jungle. Yeah, I mean, I, I I do think personally that it's a bit tacky. I mean, I've got some uh, sympathy for Nadine Doris. She's been pushed around quite a lot. And she's a very feisty character, but I I think she's wrong on this, and I I think she really should eat humble pie in front of the chief whip. But I think she's not going to, and I think it'll end badly for her. Uh, it, what's the the view around Whitehall? Whitehall, Andy, what people have been saying about her? Uh, well, the, the Tory MPs are absolutely furious. Yeah. I mean, the uh, Labour MPs uh, are quite enjoying the fun because it's not their problem. <laughs> but the things that the Tories have been saying about it, they're, they're just, they're just uh, they're furious. <laughs> and this excuse, when she keeps uh, attacking other MPs, saying, oh, you went off on, on some trip here, there, here, there, everywhere. The point is that these other trips she's talking about, they are at least supposed to be working mm. journeys. And in some cases, people do go abroad to work quite hard and find out what's happening abroad and they don't like Nadine telling them that uh, their visit to Hong Kong or, or wherever is the same as her appearance on I'm a Celebrity. And she keeps saying that she's, oh, oh I've made politics popular or, or words along that effect. You, you haven't you, you haven't made politics well. I don't know any more of her policies because she's been on there yeah. she's just made herself well, that's more famous. That, that was exactly the problem with George Galloway. He, he went into my big brother and said that he was going to use this enormous or television audiences Big Brother's got to raise awareness of what happened in the Iraq war. And the only thing he raised awareness of is George Galloway imitating a cat. There we go, you see. Listen, we have to end it there. Andy McSmith, thank you very much. Senior reporter for The Independent. After 8 o'clock, I'll be joined by PR man Max Clifford, um, <clears throat> excuse me, and reporter Justin Daly will be in Westerning. And I want to hear from you this morning. What's your opinion of Nadine Doris now that she's back to work? Has it changed? She does put forward a, a, quite a good argument... But part of me just thinks, if you're a serving MP, you should have a little bit more respect for yourself, really. Well, well listen, once you've, you've, you've been voted out, like um, Lembit Opic was, and, you know, go and do what you want. Of course you have to go and make a living. Go on these reality shows. Go and, you know, sell yourself around like that. But when you're serving, really? I don't know. She's going to be on uh, the JVS show from 11 o'clock. If uh, you want to put a question to her, why don't you send him an email? jvsshow at bbc.co.uk. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Luton stinks.
That's, that's, not, that's not my opinion. I'm just that's a fact. There's a smell in Luton. Colin, you're in Luton. You, you've smelt it, have you? Yes, mate. The, 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 um, the cat pee smell. That's it. Yeah. When when does it happen? When when's it at its worst? Uh, mostly in the mornings on the way to work. And we work at the airport and the. Uh, when you're on the way up to the airport. It's funny, I had a new colleague with me this morning. Yeah. And as we come round the island by Vauxhalls, he went, he's like, can I smell, um, look, Tomcat wee? I said, oh, we get that quite a lot round here, just, you know, over the last few years and that. So, so and, he, uh, sp- he spontaneously smelt it as you were driving past? Yeah. And he he, he said, oh, it's, it's cat wee? Yeah. Unbelievable. What, would, would you, any idea what it is? I haven't got a clue, not got a clue, but uh, I mean, I've smelt it like regular for a long time now, and it's, um, I mean, it's quite horrible to be truthful. Well, Colin, listen, thank you very much, Nick. Colin Luton, who texted in to tell us about it. Of course, as, as we've mentioned on this show before, the, the best way to get rid of cat pee smell? Vinegar. It's vinegar. Vinegar is pretty much the answer for everything. If you've got a question and you don't know the answer, say vinegar. The odds are you're going to be right. That's a lot of vinegar, though, isn't it? To cover Luton in vinegar. Now, if you get a parking ticket in the future, and we don't like getting parking tickets, of course we don't. If I've parked somewhere I shouldn't park and I get a ticket, I kind of go, oh, well, I got caught. Fair play. But if you do get a parking ticket in the future, have a look at where the parking warden has left their vehicle. Wardens in Kings Langley are parking illegally to dish out tickets. The MP for Hemel Hempstead has said that he's had enough. Mike Penning has been handed photographic evidence of enforcement vans in disabled bays, across gateways and in bus stops. We'll be joined by Mike later on in the show. Well, our reporter Justin Dealey has been to meet local businessmen Jeff Falkins and Mark Morehouse to find out what's going on. Well, the traffic wardens do their job properly through the day. We have no problem with that. In the evenings, however, about quarter to seven, ten to seven, and they've been coming and parking illegally themselves in a bus bay to ticket people who might park there to go to one of the local restaurants that are in the village. But they also park across gates, on zigzags in front of a pedestrian crossing, which is dangerous and restrictive, and then they issue tickets. We've also seen them parking in a disabled bay during the middle of the day, obstructing cars from using the disabled bay. And when challenged, they've said to us, quote-unquote, we can do what we want. And we think that's wrong, and our MP thinks that's wrong as well. So we've been complaining because it dissuades people from coming to the village and using the services and available these shots here. Mark, you've got photographic evidence. Tell us what you've seen here in Kings Langley. Well, it was actually on the 27th of September, at about half past three, I saw this moped pull up into the disabled bay, and the guy got off it, removed his crash helmet, put on his peak cap for the, the parking restrictions, and proceeded to wander up and down the high street. I'm a smoker, I was sitting outside watching what was going on, and I saw three cars, all of which had disabled badges, clearly visible, wanting to park in the disabled bay, which is outside Boots the Chemist for a specific reason, because of the scooter being there, they could not park there. Now, that to me is, is, is fundamentally wrong. I grew up in Kingsland and we've never, ever had a parking problem. And as Jeff says, to me, it's all about revenue raising. It's not about traffic management. Justin Dealey speaking to a couple of local busi- uh, businessmen there. John Biggus is a parking appeals consultant. Morning, John. Uh, morning, Ian. Do parking wardens have the right to park wherever they want to? Not wherever they want to. There are, um, uh, what, what we deal with, the regulations uh, on the roads, uh, restrictions, etc., and exemptions are ca- contained in traffic regulation orders. Now, I, I've uh, done a bit of research for this particular area. Yeah. I can't find the order that's specific to the high street there, but um, generally these uh, TROs have the same information as regards to what you can do, what you can't do. Now, uh, let's talk about yellow lines first. Yeah. 
um, restrictions do not apply to vehicles when used in the service of a local authority in pursuance of statutory powers or duties. What does that mean in English? Well, statutory pa- in pursuing statutory powers, they have the power to issue uh, parking tickets, therefore the, this vehicle, you may argue, is being used in pursuance of those powers. Yeah. As long as in all the circumstances it is reasonably necessary in the exercise of such powers to stop there. Now, so hang on, so can they, that, what does that mean? They can park on yellow, single well, yellow lines, double yellow lines? Yes, oh. uh, that's the waiting restriction, OK? Now, is this vehicle being used in, in the pursuance of statutory powers? No, this is um, owned by uh, Vincy Park, yep. and it's used for moving their civil enforcement office of, officers round. So, to argue that it's in the service of the local... It's rather tenuous, I think. OK. Dis- dis- let's, let's move on a bit, John. Disable bays. Can they park in disable bays? Uh, disable bays... It's the same... Um, unreasonable to park in a disabled bay. Yes, we would all say that. But, but the same exemption covers that. OK? Right. Um, so they are exempt? It, it, it's... To a certain degree, they are. Now, if, if they are a little bit exempt. But no, <laughs> it's so confusing, John! It is, Ian. If it you is, don't Ian. know, how is it the, the man in the street expected to know? Well, they don't. You see, even, even these civil enforcement officers don't know what right. they're doing. Um, if they're parking across a gateway, a drop curb, okay, they have no exemption. There is no right. exemption in the 2004 okay. Act. If they park in the bus stop... Yeah. Uh, schedule 19 of the traffic signs. Schedule 19, of course, yes. OK, of course. Of course, everyone knows Schedule 19. It would appear, John, it, it would appear, wouldn't it, that we need to make the laws a little bit clearer? Well, it's clear. It's clear. <laughs> Is it? I must have missed something. Everybody. Right. If you, if you get a parking ticket from someone and they've parked illegally, can you appeal against that ticket? Not on those grounds, no, you can't, because all they're doing is providing evidence of a parking contravention by another person. John, listen, we'll leave it there. Thank you very much. John Biggers, parking uh, uh, appeals consultant. Has, has that cleared it up for you? Not for me. <laughs> it's so confusing. Surely. OK, the, the, the common sense would say, right, if a traffic warden is parking in a disabled bay and they're not displaying a disabled badge, that's wrong. Isn't it? I, I, listen, I, I drive my mum around. She's got a disabled badge somewhere. We've lost it. I don't know where it is. But I know how important those disabled bays are. It's not just because they're nearer to the Tesco's or they're nearer to the Boots. Quite often, not always, but quite often, they're a little bit bigger, those parking bays. Do you know why they're a bit bigger? It's not because disabled people are rubbish drivers. It's so you can get a wheelchair up and down the side uh, in between the cars. That's why. You try... Listen, I've, I've done it. You try... Getting a wheelchair in between two cars that park normally and then getting someone out of a car who can't stand on their own and getting them into the wheelchair. I've done it. Blooming hard work. You need that extra space. Vinci Parking Services were asked to come on the show. They declined. They sent us a statement. Listen, companies, if you're going to send a statement, I'm going to read it in a sarcastic voice, OK? So you're doing yourself no favours whatsoever. I would suggest you come on. We work very closely with the client at the council to ensure our traffic wardens comply with correct parking legislation. We urge people who have a complaint to contact us directly, as we have a dedicated team which can answer any queries. Well, we, um... Uh, Mike Penning is going to come on the show a little bit later on and uh, he's the MP and he's going to tell us um, what he thinks about that. We also asked the Coram Borough Council to join us on the show. They didn't even return our phone calls. Thanks a lot for that, guys.
What do you think? 08459 555555. Have you seen this happen? Um, and have you spoken to the traffic wardens? I'd love it if you've, you've had a word with them. I said, oi, what, what are you doing? You can't park there. That's outrageous. And if you're an ex-traffic warden or a currently serving one, could you give us a call and let us know what you think the rules are? 08459 uh, 555. Pete's in Bletchley. Morning, Pete. Morning, mate. You all right? Yeah, I'm fine, thank you. Pete, what's, what's your take on this? Uh, what it was, um, in Bletchley... Um, behind the old co-op, they built a car park and all that there. Yeah. And then what happened was, the, um, barrier was... Pete, Pete, turn, turn, is your radio on? Turn your radio off if you can. All right. Is that better? That's much better, thank you. Go on, yeah. So you're in the, the, in the, the car park, yes? Yeah, so what happened was, the barrier was broken, and there was tiny little signs in the corner of the car park, and there was a plain white van there, waiting for people to park there. And the um, women would get out with their children, walk off, and they go and clamp it straight away. And it was 120 quid to get your car unclamped, and they will release it until you pay uh, for the um, parking. And I went down there yeah. to have a look, and um, they said, what are you doing? I said, I'm standing here watching. And I said, you nicked my daughter the other day. Said, well, if you don't go away, that'll be it, and you don't take any pictures. I said, you can't stop me. And that was it. And um, they've done all oh, loads of people there. But were the people park? They've, they've changed the laws, haven't they, on these these naughty clappers? Yeah. But were the people parking illegally? Well, because there's nowhere else to park in Bletchley. They've done away with a multi-storey car park at that time. Right. So, yeah. But when you yes. went in, yes. the barrier was broken. You didn't oh, see the sign because that was so small. I see. Listen, Pete, I'll, I'll let you get on. You're obviously having an affair with your sat nav there. I'll let you get on and carry on that beautiful relationship. Um, uh, l- listen, if you park, uh, they've changed the laws on those clampers, so that 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 isn't going to happen. But if you park somewhere you're not supposed to park, right, and you get a ticket, no sympathy for me whatsoever, because you shouldn't park there. There's all that very well. Oh, well, I was just nipping in the chemist to get my prescription. Oh, well, I was only two minutes. Oh, I was only two minutes. I was just getting the papers. Well, no, hang on. You shouldn't have parked there. If you take the risk and you get caught, tough. I've been caught. And I've been angry, but it's been my fault. I've paid the fine, and I've got on with it. I have no sympathy for people who get parking tickets when they've parked somewhere they shouldn't park. Or the the meter's run out two minutes. I've got no sympathy at all. You should be a little bit more careful. But if the traffic wardens are parking in disabled bays and on the zigzag lines, in places they shouldn't, that does get me a little bit angry. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. You can also go to the Facebook page. We've got pictures up of these traffic wardens parking illegally in Kings Langley. Facebook.com forward slash BBC three CR. Uh, a few comments from there. Dave has posted disgraceful. It's like when you see police cars speeding. One rule for us, one rule for them. Uh, and Debbie, I had this happen, they towed me away, and I found the parking attendant parked where I had been whilst he was having a sandwich in Subway. Well, should we just pause for a second and imagine a, a Subway sandwich? Other sandwiches are available, but, man, those Subway ones are good. I had the fine refunded, but it was a battle to get it. Apparently, they're exempt. Uh, John is from Stevenage. <coughs> morning, John. Good morning, Ian. Yeah, what, what, what's your view on this? I, I deal with statutory powers in my job, and, and they're there, but they're... It, they're not there to be abused. I can understand an emergency vehicle exerting a statutory power. So that means that means kind of parking somewhere where they shouldn't park because yeah. it's part of their job. 
Yeah. yeah. But when you've got a guy picking up on a moped to put a ticket on a vehicle for parking as illegally as he has, yeah. then it's very wrong. And have you you've seen traffic wardens doing this, have you, John? It, yeah, it, it happens. In Stevenage, you see them around the back of the shops, they'll pitch up on their in their vehicle or whatever and they'll park on a double yellow line and they'll wander up and down and put tickets especially behind marks and spencers and and spec savers and places like that uh you said spec savers didn't you yeah i thought you said something completely different there for a second and do you ever say anything to them john do you ever say oi oi what are you doing i uh i had a chat with one once and he says he would take my number of my car for obstruction and i said well if you think you can get away with that go for it and he threatened to report you for picking him up that he'd parked illegally. Yeah, for having an opinion, yeah. <laughs> well, John, I will be taking your number and reporting it to the authorities. How dare you come on here and share your opinion with people. 08459 455 555. I once, when I was courting my wife before we were like a proper couple, um, to, to impress her and to look cool, I saw a parking ticket, uh, a parking warden putting a ticket on a car or about to, and I ran up to him and was going, no, no, please, please, that's my car, that's my, that's my, please don't put a ticket on my car. And he was like, oh, all right, I won't do it. And he walked off. It wasn't my car. I know, I just, I just felt like doing a noble thing and I helped someone. I wouldn't do it now. Across beds, hearts and bugs, this is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning! It's Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. If you want to give us a call at any point, then please do. 08459 455 555. I suggest you go to the Facebook page. I've, I've just glimpsed at it. There's a picture of uh, our reporter, Justin Dealey, with um, a foghorn. Is that what they call it? Yes, a foghorn and a whistle. I've no idea why. I didn't read the caption. Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. Well, hopefully we'll find out what that's about later on, unless he's having some sort of breakdown, which is distinctly possible. Coming up in the next half an hour, find out why a Hertfordshire company was featured on last night's Panorama programme, and an early audition tape by the Beatles goes up for auction later today. I think it's expected to get about £30,000. Well, a talent scout decided against signing the Beatles in favour of another band that were auditioning that day. That band was Brian Poole and the Tremolos. Brian's from Milton Keynes, and he's coming on the show later on. I'm very, very excited. Now, did you see Panorama last night? I didn't, if I'm completely honest, as I had a very, very early night. The team investigated tax evasion using fictional companies and fictional directors. They focused on one uh, in particular, a, a company in Hertfordshire called Ready Made Companies Worldwide. In response to the programme, the Business Secretary, Vince Cable, says officials will examine the problem. Well, our reporter, Victoria Cook, is here to tell us more about it. Victoria, what what happened? So, the team, using secret filming, um, identified a number of what are known as corporate service providers. These are firms that specialise in setting up companies both here in the UK and abroad. The programme filmed some of these firms offering services that would break the law. One of them operating out of Mauritius. They got to go and film over there, which is rather nice. It's a tough job, isn't it? Um, they, They were filmed saying that the odds of getting caught by the tax authorities were comparable to winning the lottery. Uh, Panorama also approached other firms with an undercover reporter posing as the representative of corrupt Indian government figures who wanted to invest in the UK. One such firm is in Bushy Heath in Hertfordshire. Russell Lieb, who's the managing director of this company as we mentioned, ready-made companies worldwide, told their undercover reporter that if approached by the Indian authorities about tax evasion, they quote, wouldn't give a monkey's. Which you heard on the programme last night. Uh, despite being told that the fictional clients were earning commissions on government contracts that they wanted to move offshore, Mr. Lieb said he would be content 
not to know their identities and he even agreed that the undercover reporter could be the front of these companies and pretend to be the owner. He said there'd be no emails and nothing in writing signalling who the true owner of the money was. What ready-made companies worldwide said they would not provide company formation services if they knew or suspected they would be used to launder the proceeds of crime or defraud tax authorities. As a precautionary measure, they said they have asked a law firm to review their procedures and look at staff training. Okay, is this company unusual in its activities? Well, no. The programme found this wasn't an isolated case. There were other companies offering to help hide the identities of the owners of fictional companies that they wanted to set up. As you might imagine, this is against the law. This is what the leading money laundering expert Tristram Hicks, a former detective superintendent with the Met Police, had to say about it all. If uh, this proceeded and uh, the uh, company was set up and uh, it was set up in the way in which it's, uh, it's being discussed, then plainly some very serious criminal offences will be committed. As part of the undercover investigation, a reporter posed as a millionaire tax evader with £6 million stashed in a Swiss bank account. He was advised to move his money into a complex structure involving an anonymous foundation in the tax haven of Belize, which he would control in secret. Uh, James Turner of Turner Little in York assured Panorama's undercover reporter that his company already had 10,000 of these structures up and running. Secrecy was guaranteed. He said the tax man had investigated clients with similar structures but hadn't got to the money. Secrecy, of course, is at the heart of the tax dodging schemes they uncovered, which is where something called nominee directors come in. What's a nominee director? Well, these are people who can be legitimately appointed to run companies on behalf of others. But under UK law, company directors are meant to be responsible for the companies they run. But according to this man, James Turner of Turner Little in York, his nominees would not be running anything at all. They were sham directors. He told the undercover reporter that they wouldn't even know which companies they're being appointed to. They would just be getting paid. Well, Panorama took what was being proposed by Mr Turner and showed it to Jonathan Fisher, one of the UK's leading barristers. This is what he what said. I'm shocked by and concerned by is the apparent ease with which you discovered these people. Well, it tells you that maybe it's the tip of the iceberg uh, and that our regulation regime is not uh, catching enough people. I think we may have mixed our clips up there. That was the first clip we should play. That was Trish from uh, Hicks, and the, the, the other clip was, was, uh, was Jonathan Fisher, Fisher speaking earlier on. Sorry for that. Apologies. For his part, James Turner denies any allegations of criminal misconduct. The company says it takes statutory and regulatory obligations seriously. Well, if this is such a widespread uh, problem, what, what's going to be done about it? Well, Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs, which regulates the UK's 2,500 corporate service providers, says most in the industry have nothing to do with this, with nothing to do with criminal activity. However, what appears a more significant response, as we've mentioned, is from Mr Cable when he said he will be carefully considering Panorama's evidence and will be reviewing the trade-in and the abuse of nominee directors. Victoria, thank you very much uh, for that. What, what you need to do today is think of a project where we, you and I can go and investigate in Mauritius. That's Yes, I think that is what we need to do next. Yeah, that's, yes. that's the plan. The report, the, the live show from Mauritius. Thank you very much, Victoria. Uh, you can, uh, if you missed last night's Panorama, you can catch it up uh, on the uh, catch up with it on the BBC iPlayer, of course. The BBC in beds, hearts and this is BBC Three Counties Radio. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. Uh, naughty traffic wardens. We've heard about them in Kings Langley. There are pictures on the Facebook page of them parking where they shouldn't park. Have you spotted it? Have you spotted them being a little bit naughty and parking where they shouldn't? And, um... 
just d- d- going, you know, it, it does annoy me when you see people, I don't know it's a small thing, but it, it does annoy you when you see people parking in disabled bays when they're not meant to be parking there. They haven't got the disabled badge. It doesn't matter if they get out and they can walk fine, you know, because who knows what's going on inside that body. Uh, but if they haven't got a disabled badge, they sh- people shouldn't be parking there. And traffic wardens certainly shouldn't. Have you spotted it? Oh, wait, 459 455 555. Andrea's in Hitchin. Good morning, Andrea. What, what gets you angry about this? Oh, Ian, I'll tell you what gets me angry. Yeah. I, I remember a couple of years, well, a few years ago, my son's now nearly 14. He was a baby. I'd only just... Only just well, hang, on, hang on a minute. If he was a baby, it was more than a couple of it years was. ago. It just feels like a couple of years ago. I know, ago. doesn't it go quickly? <laughs> blimey, go on. Um, I was parked up in Tesco's in Flitwick. Yeah. And at the time, there was only two mother and child parking bays. Yeah. There was about ten disabled bays. But on this particular occasion, I pulled into Tesco's to do my... I was only doing a week shop, and there was a businessman parked in one of the mother and child parking bays. And it was quite clear, in a suit, no baby, got out of his car just as I was pulling up. Yeah. And I sort of went down the window, do you mind moving? Yeah. He said, uh, I'm only going to be a minute. So I said, OK, that's fine. And off he, off he tooled. So I parked parallel behind him. Oh, I Andrea. blocked him in. Naughty. And, oh, no, 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 not so much. I was only going in for a week shopping. I actually did a month's worth of shopping. Yeah. Um, and every time I came up and down the aisle, there he was sitting there looking at his watch, you know. Um, made it quite clear to him that he really shouldn't have parked there, and hopefully he's learnt a lesson. Um, uh, incidentally, a couple of weeks later... Yeah. Exactly the same scenario, apart from it was someone with a disabled badge parked in there. Right. And their excuse was there is no disabled bays left. And I explained to them that there was only two mother and child parking bays and they would have to do what I had to do, was either Ooh. wait or go and find somewhere else. And that wasn't a mother and child parking bay. Um, and you had a, hang on, Andrea, 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 Andrea listen yeah. now. My, my full sympathies, and, 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 and inwardly, even though I'm supposed to be impartial, I'm implauding you for blocking in the, the pompous businessman who used the mother and bay... But you told, you told a disabled person where to go. Well, I didn't tell them where to go. I just said to them that they needed to wait for a parking bay to become available because had one of them become available and I'd parked in it yep. with a child, yep. um, then uproar would have been. So, as far as I saw it, was what is good for the goose is good for the gander. I would never, I, I would never have the guts to have a go at someone for parking in a, in, a, in, a, in a parent and child bay. Let's not call it a mother and child bay, a parent and child bay. Because okay. uh, th- uh, I've seen, you know, big fellas park their four-by-fours in there, and it could get a little bit nasty, couldn't it? Well, the thing is, I, what, I, what I objected to more was the fact that, that Tesco's had a badge facility where you used to get a, a, a badge, a little orange badge it was, that you used to display in your window... So that if one of their parking attendants that never went round ever saw it, they would say, oh, there was someone parked in there. They would get a registration, they'd call it over the tunnel and ask them to move it. Right. Um, But it never, ever happened. And the times I went in and said, there's someone parked in there that hasn't got... Oh, they don't care. Yeah, they don't care. I've I've mentioned it in store before. I once had a huge row. I remember I took my mum, she's in a wheelchair, I took her to Earl's Court to see Neil Diamond in concert, right? Yeah. Who I'm also a big fan of. Is an excuse for me to go, really. And we had the the blue badge, and we found the the last parking space in the car park, the last parking space was a disabled parking space. And this flash so-and-so pulled in in his jag. I went, I'm really sorry, mate. Um, that's a disabled bay. I've got the blue badge. I've got mum. I've got the wheelchair. C- could we have that space? And he thought about it. And he went and got in his car. And then he, he got out. And he, and he obviously changed his mind. He went, I can't start the car. I said, oh, come on. No, don't do that. You've, listen, you, obviously you can. start." He said, no, the car won't start. And I thought, you little so-and-so. And, mm. and, and I'll t- I tell you what I did. I'm not proud of this. I did this years and years ago. <laughs> I let, I let one of his tyres down. 
I wouldn't have let one of the little. Foot I know, down. I know. <laughs> I let one of his tyres down, and I'm really. And I would. Ni- you, you let one down, he can he can just change it to spare your little foot down. Yes. Sort of a little bit scuffed. Can I just say that was many many years ago? <laughs> it was a different me. I would never condone such behaviour, particularly now that oh, I work I at the BBC. <laughs> well, you're just you're just filthy, you are, Andrew. You're you're naughty. I I'm can't. not. I just it just irritates me because it's just it's just complete and utter idleness. Yeah. And and you know. At the end of the day, we all run very busy lives. I've got three children, so I've got, you know, uh, as busy a life as anybody else has. However, I still am, um, you know, practical when I'm parking and, and you know, think think a little bit ahead, you know. Andrea, you're you're feisty, aren't you? I am a little bit. You're up for talking to someone who's called in to talk to you? Am I? uh, Yeah, cool. Okay, Laura, say hello to Andrea. Hello, Andrea. Good morning, Laura. Go on, Laura, what's your point? Oh, I, I just, um, I kind of see the mother and child spaces as a bit of a luxury, to be honest. I've got two young kids myself who are, are two and a half and one. And, um, you know, it's nice to be able to park in them, but I just cannot imagine that that comes over a disabled person needing to park. You know, when my, I was my a child Laura, and, saw, the, and you were a child, like, your your parents didn't have the luxury of those spaces. And my, it's nice my to parents have the, didn't have the luxury of those two cars either, but the, the difference is, Laura... With respect, is if you, if you know Tesco's in Flitwick, as, as it used to stand, there used to be two mother and child parking bays and about fifteen disabled ones. You know, so where else where else was I supposed to park when I've got when I've got a child? You know, and having just come out of hospital, having given birth to that child, shouldn't really be carrying them anyway. Um, no, no. And and it was just merely all I did was said, could you not wait for a disabled parking bay? Because if I was to just say oh well there's a space free at the front i can park there yes it is a luxury um i don't use them anymore because my children even though my youngest one is now four and i'm still i'm still at at liberty to do it because they're up the pre pre preschool um parking spaces i don't because my children walk yeah, um, no, I think, I think that's fair enough. Like, if you've got a child in a buggy, like you say, you've just given birth, it's difficult getting out of the house. But I just think that, you know, a, a disabled person, you know, they may be, you know, they, I think their needs are probably greater, to be honest, and I just mm-hmm. kind of just park somewhere else and, you know, just deal with getting the buggy out and having to... Park somewhere else, there. Andrea, and <laughs> deal with getting the buggy out. <laughs> I do now, I do. I don't <laughs> go to Tesco. <laughs> there, well, there we go. Laura, thank you very much for that. Andrea, thank you very much indeed. We've got Rock and Roll Royalty coming on the show in just a second, but the Ding Doris says she's the best-known MP, the best-known MP, sorry, in Britain, following her appearance on I'm a Celebrity. Speaking on her return to the UK, she insists she will stay as a Tory MP and will fight the next election in mid-Bedfordshire. Well, BBC Three Counties reporter Justin Dealey is in Westerling this morning. Justin, I'm, I'm getting very worried about you. I've seen a, a very bizarre picture of you on Facebook. What on earth are you doing? Well, well why, why is it so bizarre? I've got one of these with me this morning, and I've got one of these uh, oh. air horns with me. Please, do, don't. I've only been doing this job three months. I can't afford to lose this one, Justin. <laughs> You'll be absolutely fine. I'm in Westerling this morning, oh, okay. the home of Nadine Doris. I'm here for the welcome home party. I've got my air horn with me. I've yes. got some party blowers. Come and see me. I'm right in the heart of the village, um, opposite the butchers. I want to get your reaction. Are you pleased to see Nadine back? And also, has your opinion changed? Now, of course, she is back from the jungle. We're going to be here between now and nine. So just tell us, everyone, exactly where you are, Justin, so they can come and thump you. 
Well, I'm right in the heart of the village. I'm opposite the butchers next to the local <laughs> shop here. Unfortunately, <laughs> this morning, in it is pretty quiet. It's absolutely <laughs> lashing it down in Westerning in Bedfordshire this morning. But if you're popping out this morning, come and see me. Obviously, lots of people here recently were very, very angry about Nadine yep. going into the jungle. You mentioned earlier on, she's made a pretty good case saying, well, I've taken three days off for yeah. this. Nobody moans when, when other MPs are sitting on a beach somewhere. Yep. Has she done enough to convince you that she's doing the right thing? And, of course, now she's saying she is the best-known MP in the UK. Is that a good thing, or is G- that a bad thing? Give us a blast of your horn one more time, Justin. OK, you really want this? <laughs> yep. Here we go. Live in Westerning. There goes Broken Britain, live on the radio. <laughs> go and find Justin, go and say hello to him and tell him to stop making such a racket and embarrassing himself. Thank you very much, Justin. We'll speak to you later on. Now, the Beatles audition tape is going up for auction today. It's estimated, well, it says here 20000 I heard about £30,000. The tape was rejected by record label Decca. Instead, they signed Brian Poole and the Tremolos. Now, this has been called the biggest blunder in pop history. Not for one man, though. Brian Poole. He lives in Milton Keynes. He joins me now. Morning, Brian. It was the best thing they ever did. Well, I was about to say, it's, it was. you know, it's, it's, it's laughed off as, as the big... What was the name of the guy that, that turned... That was, uh, well, our recording manager at Decca was Mike Smith. But right. it was Dick Rowe. Dick Rowe, wasn't it, of course. turned us down. We never, ever met Dick Rowe after that. Really? No, did he, we never saw so him. He t- did you audition on the same day as the Beatles? No, not the same day. Right. But the same week, along with... Quite a few others. Yeah. Uh, there were you know, swinging blue jeans, were in loads of bands. Yeah. So, so, th- th- he tur- so Dick Rowe turned the Beatles down. He went, nah, li- 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 sorry, lads, this will never work. Yeah. But he saw Brian Paul and the Tremolos and went, yes, now this is it. Well, he'd seen us before. Right. He knew our work, if you like. Um, we were already working in the Decca studios, in mm. the EMI studios, yeah. in loads of different places, because we were a uh, a three-piece vocal group. Right. And it was Alan Blakely uh, and Dave Munden, yeah. who was the drummer and guitarist at the time, and me. Hang on, the drummer? did all the... The drummer and the guitarist? Yeah. How did that work? No, no, two of them. Two oh, right. Oh, right. Sorry. 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 Yeah. Uh, Dave Munden, the yeah. drummer, Alan Blakely, the guitarist. But they, they probably could have done it if they wanted to. <laughs> the other way, Why anyway. do you think that you were chosen... Over the Beatles. Yeah, we, they, they knew what we were doing. Yeah. They heard that we backed uh, people like Tommy Steele. Yeah. We backed, uh, even later, the, uh, the Vernon's Girls yeah. with Third Locomotion. That's a weird one, isn't it? Three, <laughs> three blokes singing with the Vernon's Girls <laughs> to make their record a little it bit was It was the thicker. 60s, Brian. Anything went. Anything went, yeah. You're, you're, still, you're still gigging and working and doing things, aren't We're you? We're still... We've been, uh, this year, doing a, uh, a show called the Solid Silver 60s Show. Yeah. Uh, try saying that with false teeth in. <laughs> and, uh, and they... Uh, yeah, they, we do about... Two tours a year, but that one this year was 72 gigs, all wow. theatres. Um, we just came back, I'd, I'd just been doing, a couple of weeks back, Malta, where we played at the uh, the festival there, um, and yeah, we, we still gig. It's amazing, isn't it? We were talking about this just before you, you, you came on air. You mentioned Tommy Steele. Tommy Steele's yeah. in the West End again. Yeah. I'm off to New York to see the Monkees at the weekend. Yeah. You're playing gigs 50 years later. Who'd have thought in 62, 63, 64, fast forward to 2012, that you lot, you know, you boys would still be going, that all yeah. of these acts would still yeah. be like, because pop music was that, wasn't it, really? It was yeah. just a flash in the pan. Ian, none of us 
thought we, I mean, we've all changed a lot, but none of us in those days even thought we'd get past sort of 40. Yeah. That was about our mark. Yeah. And uh, like everybody else, you don't think you're going to sort of grow up. We grew up and we kept going. Um, another thing that, that we I was saying about Decca, before we went to Decca, we were also doing shows like uh, uh, doing some BBC things. Right. Uh, there were little things we were doing on those. Uh, we were working for Jack Good doing yep. the Old Boy Show. Jack Good, uh, oh, oh Boy, 6.5 special. 6.5 special, yep. yeah. Loads of things. All those shows we were doing. So we knew all the DJs that were on the shows anyway. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of a, a sort of wise choice that they they took us. <laughs> and another thing is yeah, go on. that we tried to buy back our um the tremolos and me tried to buy back our our um original tapes yeah. from decker um and all of them there must be uh, 150 200 tracks yeah and they said no you can't have them oh. because we still use them right and they're still uh, still making current. money for them and they're still making money so it, not a bad choice is it did you still get checks every now and then yeah really yeah oh yeah, look, your, your eyes lit up then look we have about five pence <laughs> it, it, it must be frustrating because it, it history's been rewritten slightly and people now growing up think the beatles were really the only band in the 60s and of course they weren't do you ever yeah, do you ever get frustrated yeah. that, that a lot of your work and a lot of the other groups are overshadowed because of the beatles yeah oh you can do but uh, remember it's the beatles who overshadowed us uh, i always say that with the decker thing um fair enough they didn't sign the best band in the world mm. but they to us they signed the second best <laughs> And you've got to realise that, that the Beatles didn't play on this tape that's coming up for sale. Yeah. Um, it, it won't, it's not going to be Beatles as you know Beatles. No. If it's the right tape. Yeah. Um, it, it's really weird stuff that they came in and did. Well, because this tape you know, has been circulating for a while, hasn't it? This is yeah. the, the original, the, the original, original tape. But the songs on it, I think they do, how... Um, they do something like My Bonnie My Bonnie. Over the Ocean. Do they do that, that Jerry and the Pacemaker song? How do, do you, you do, do yeah, what you do to me? Yeah, yeah. That's on there. Which is, is quite weird songs to do at that time yeah. when the really popular songs were by Little Richard, Chuck Berry, yeah. uh, vocal groups like, you know, th all, all kinds of people. But they they went in and did sort of things that, that kind of pleased them yeah. at the time. Brian, you're a pop star in the 60s. D it doesn't get any better than that, does it? It doesn't get any better than that. That must have been so much fun. Good fun. Uh, always good fun. I'll tell you why it's been good fun ever since as well. We've, yeah. s I, we've still got fans. We did a tour with the original Tremolos two mm. years ago. Right. And it was so popular. Yeah. And it was just everybody came. We saw all our old fans. Brilliant. They're all old like us. <laughs> <laughs> but, you're, not look, bring... you're not looking bad, I'll be honest. <laughs> you're looking all right. <laughs> Thank you. You're doing a good job. I told my mum that you were coming on today. Yeah. She got well excited. Oh, she's like, what's your mum's name? Linda. 
Linda, if you're listening, oh, he's a I good need, I need lad. A, I need a picture before you go, Brian, because my mum will be over the moon. Listen, thank you so much for... Are you going to put in a bid for this Beatles tape? you got 30 grand knocking around somewhere? Uh, no, I think it will make a lot more yeah, than that. It'll be interesting to see how yeah. much it goes for. Brian, it's so nice to meet you. Thank you so much for coming in. Thanks, Ian. Absolute pleasure. pleasure. Brian Paul from Brian Paul and the Tremolos, of course. <laughs> Thank you, Catherine. Morning. Oh, I was all excited me and Brian, meeting Brian Paul. I could have spoken to him for an hour about the 60s and the Beatles and all of that. Wonderful. If you missed it, do go and listen again on the iPlayer. It's uh, the, well worth a listen. What a charming gentleman he was. Coming up in the last hour of the show before JVS at nine, the MP for Mid-Beds and the Dean Doris is to meet with the Chief Whip today. What's your opinion of her now that she's back home from the jungle? Parking wardens are dishing out tickets in Kings Langley while they are parking illegally in disabled bays. Have you seen something similar where you live? And what's that bad smell in Luton? Apparently it stinks like cat's wee. Anyone shed any light on it? BBC Three Counties Radio. This whole parking thing as well has started off a whole thing, a whole debate about whether uh, parent and children bays, should we have them? Oh wait, four five nine four double five five double five is the phone number if you want to give us a call on that. It's all kicking off. We'll talk more on that in later. But now, uh, if you live in Mid Bedfordshire, you may be wondering what's happened to your MP since she left the show. I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. Well, Nadine Doris arrived back home from the jungle yesterday. She's been summoned to a meeting with the government chief whip Sir George Young this morning. She was temporarily suspended by her party for taking part in a reality TV show without permission. She's denying her behaviour was undignified, insisting that she's helped publicise politics more than if she'd stayed at Westminster. Our reporter, Tony Fisher, caught up with her at her home. Here's what she said about the press coverage. I think, unfortunately, my constituents have been hyped up by the press who have run stories that I've disappeared and I'm going away for a month. And I've actually missed three parliamentary sitting days. I actually worked throughout the entire summer recess and only had four days away. In seven and a half years, I have never taken a day away during parliamentary time. Um, None of that has been put to my constituents. Um, I work very hard as a constituency MP. But unfortunately, as you well know, but unfortunately, I think the national media, who just love to whip up a story, um, have done so. And I think a number of my constituents have believed what they've read in the newspapers, unfortunately. Well, Max Clifford is a press and public relations consultant. Morning, Max. Good morning. Max, Nadine Doris, she's come out fighting on the press coverage. Has she got a point? Well, yes. I mean, we all know that, you know, the way the press likes to work and they like to try and make um, as much controversy as I possibly can because of course it sells papers um but of course it's purely down to you know people in your area and people that voted for her uh, who will make up their minds whether they're happy or unhappy about um, what she did but you know i, I mean the, the press do their own thing for, for their own ends of course they do the, you know the, the newspapers they want to sell papers so that's why the, what they put things in there for do you think the press coverage has been good for her max <laughs> know about her than did before i mean she's you know currently um one of the talking points across the nation and i think up until uh, three weeks ago or something only people locally would have heard of her what do you think her plan is she says her plan was to get her politics more well known i don't think that's necessarily been the case no it, it hasn't been the, the case simply because of course 
you know, the, the press have just been the fact that she's gone away and, you know, she should be in Parliament and that's what she's being paid to do, etc., etc. And even her answers that she only missed three days, I was reading one of the papers this morning and they said, well, actually, according to them, it's 11 days she's missed, but... Uh, so who's right or wrong, I don't know. She's not, she's not made her politics well-known, but Brand Nadine is certainly got to be quite bankable now, hasn't it? Yes, I mean, I thought I, she could certainly go into pantomime now. You I think know. she is already. Oh, no, hang on, that's the house. Yes, yes, I see what you mean. Yes, yeah. of course. <laughs> uh, we phoned her office yesterday, and we were told that all... Re- she's an MP. Oh. All requests for interviews had to go through an artist management company. Well, that gives you an indication then, doesn't it? You know, that possibly she's looking to branch out into show business or entertainment, but uh, I think that she's probably going to have to um, embark on a huge public relations campaign if she wants people to like her. Max, if Nadine came to you, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure she, she probably couldn't afford your, your wonderful fees, no, but she if she did, what advice would you give her? What would you say she should do? Uh, well, obviously, she's got to uh, overcome the, uh, you know, the, the terrible roasting she's been given by the media in the last few weeks. So she's got to get herself on television and, you know, get people saying, oh, she's much nicer than I re- thought she was. Mm. And, no, and I can understand why she did what she did, et cetera, et cetera, to get her points across and then hopefully change the public perception, which right now isn't exactly very warm to her. She needs a, sl- a, a slot on Loose Women, doesn't she? Uh, well, I think she probably needs a lot more than that, but certainly she's, she's got to change the public perception of her if she's going to take advantage of all the exposure. Max Clifford, always a pleasure. Thank you very much indeed. 08459 455 555. What do you think? Oh, she's going to be on Jonathan Vernon Smith's show a bit later on. You'll get to hear her argument. Well, Justin Dealey is in Westerning this morning. You're right, Justin. Have they lynched you yet? Uh, <laughs> not quite. It's, okay. um, it's still lashing down with rain, but plenty of reaction coming in. A moment ago, I spoke to Nick. Well, Nick, your local MP is now back. What's your opinion of Nadine now she is back in Bedfordshire? Um, the same as it was, but uh, I just think fair play to her. Good luck to her. All the best. So you think anybody who's having a go is, is just a little bit miserable, let's say? Um, I would say, and maybe, you know, just get a life and don't be so jealous, really. Get a life, I like that term. <laughs> a lot of people here in Westerling were, were absolutely furious about this. They were saying that she's let local people down. You don't think she has, then? Not really, no. No. Um, no, not at all, really. I just think it's a lot of jealousy. And, uh, you know, uh, people who possibly might not watch the programme, but I bet they do now. Can I just ask, you're not related to Nadine Dorries, are you? Um... No. No. Okay. <laughs> well, I've come here this morning for the welcome home party. Uh, there is my party blower. Uh, I've come here with party blowers and an air horn. Can you give that a quick blow for us, please? Thank you for your time. <laughs> You're welcome. So there you go. That was Nick. It's quite interesting, isn't it, Ian? Because w- when we came here a couple of weeks ago, mm. nobody had a good word to say about Nadine Dorries. And joining me live in the radio car is Sean Jackson. And again, Sean, you're a fan. What's your opinion now that Nadine is back here in Bedfordshire? Oh, I think it's great. She's, uh, she's done a marvellous job. She's put mid-beds on the map. Uh, she, like she said, she's probably the most uh, famous MP out there, apart from uh, David Cameron. So people need to wake up, and actually, the reality is your local MP is now famous and she might get results for local people. Definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah, she's done a marvellous job. In saying that, though, so many people here in Westerning, your local village, said, it's a disgrace, she's let us down. Again, you seem to be in a minority, don't you, here? I don't know. I, the people I speak to, they're, they're all back her. You know, um, and like I said before, she's, uh, she gives uh, a lot of money to the old charities around here, mm. so she looks after us. 
and uh, people say that she's never here. She's always here, I can guarantee that. So uh, she does her bit. Yeah. Incredible. So the red carpet, is the red carpet at the ready then? Yes, yeah, definitely. It's a bit wet, but it's uh, it's definitely out there. Oh, horrendous morning here, isn't it? Oh, no, it's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Not my umbrella. Sean, thanks for your time. So two people, yep. and again, the only people I've spoken to so far this morning have been in favour of Nadine Dorries. And again, some of the things that she mentioned yesterday were brought up by Nick saying jealousy. He mentioned that word. And of course there, you heard from Sean saying, well, now she is famous, you know, she might actually be able to get more results for local people. This in the long term, but could be a great thing for the people of Mid Bedfordshire. The tide does seem to be turning, Justin. Are you hanging around for the rest of the show there? Yes, I'm going to be here until nine o'clock this morning. So, so just tell people exactly Western. where you are. Oh, here comes somebody else oh. over to the radio car right go on, now. Go and grab them, go and grab we'll, them. We'll get a, a very quick opinion here. Madam, you're live on Three Counties Radio. Your local MP, Nadine Dorries, is now back in Bedfordshire. What's your opinion now she is back? Um, I think that it's very good that she's back, but I also admire her for going everybody's got a life and she went she did it and i've no qualms with what she did. see i couldn't find anybody a few weeks ago to back nadine dorries this morning now she's back everyone's coming to the radio car saying great good on her yeah uh, no my thoughts when she actually went was she's every right to go she does us a service yeah but to hear those on in parliament bickering mm. sniping each other Good luck to her. Wow, thank you very much indeed for your time. Lots of people are coming over to the radio car, Ian. So we're, we're live in the village of Westerning this morning, the home of Nadine Dorries. We're right next to the village store. Uh, we're opposite the butchers. So if you've got an opinion about your local MP, and most people do, of course, right now, uh, the whole world seems to be talking about Nadine Dorries. Pop along, say hello, and have a chat. I do. I love that picture of you on the Facebook page. You look like an old school raver, back to 94. <laughs> That's what you're fantastic, Justin. If you go and uh, see him uh, and have a little word with him, a little chat. It's funny, isn't it, how the time seems to have turned. He's right, when he was out the other week, he couldn't find anyone who had a good word to say about her. Now, it's the complete opposite. If you can't make it, and you do want to see what uh, Daily looks like, facebook.com forward slash bbc3cr. Hardcore, you, hardcore, you know the score. He looks like a proper old school raver. Uh, 08459 is the telephone number. If you want to give us uh, a call, uh, we've got a text, we've been talking about parking. A couple of texts on parking. Ian, last year in Leegrave Marsh Road area, I saw a car pull up on yellow lines. Four traffic wardens got out laughing and joking, walked off in different directions. They returned about 20 minutes later, comparing how many tickets they'd given out. Had a laugh, got in, and drove off. This was at the re- weekend. Can't remember if it was a Saturday or Sunday. Hardly any traffic. It made me think they're just going around collecting money for their overtime. Parking is a cash cow, says Gary and Luton. And uh, a parent and child bays... Blue badge holders take priority in law. Um, the parent and child base are not a legal requirement, says Phil. Um. Jonathan Vernon Smith. Three. <laughs> Three for the price of. Uh, lovely to see you. Thanks. And you. You're looking lovely and yellow. Yeah. Um, I was enjoying... Fo- uh, people should follow you on Twitter, at JVS Show, because A, you're incredibly funny. B, you have lots of little breakdowns on there. Uh, and C, because I saw you kind of... little bit of... You sorted out today's show on Twitter, didn't you? You tweeted. Yes. You tweeted yes. Nadine Dorries. Yes. With, uh, with a cheeky... And I thought, well, that's a bit embarrassing. He's, he's gone, Nadine, come on my show and justify your actions. I thought, well, that's awkward, embarrassing. She replied a few minutes later going, yeah, OK. Yeah, she said she'd be happy to. She called you a plonker as she well. She then called me a plonker, which was rather strange. <laughs> when I said, will she answer the phone? And she responded saying, of course I will, you plonker. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. You're so, going to be friends. Um, so, coming up later on, 
you're here, my interview. We've had to move the whole show around. Very Dean. exciting. So what's the, the, the consumer hour is not at 11, it's at 10 now, is that correct? The consumer hour is now between 10 and 11, right. while Nadine is in with the chief whip. Yep. And then as soon as Nadine comes out with the chief whip, she'll be, be coming on my show later on, and I'll be putting some of the questions and some of the concerns of her constituents. Although I noticed from your show this morning, you're getting some very positive <laughs> they're comments. They're all on her side now. They've all, they've all changed. I think it's because she's back and they're scared of her. Uh, That's what it is. Is that what it is? Are you now? Listen, you're not going to do this thing that I do sometimes, where I'm 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 the big man. I walk the walk and I talk the talk Mm. until I'm confronted with a real person, and then I back down a bit. You're not going to do that, are you? You're not going to wimp down. No. Good. People are depending on you. No, no. I'm simply going to present the argument that her constituents will want me to present. Some of them. I'm looking forward to it. Yes, well, that's happening after 11. But coming yep. up on the big yes. phone-in this morning, and I know you've been talking about this as well this morning, yes. should un- uh, should people with an unhealthy lifestyle get free health care? Yeah. I love, I love what this Conservative MP has said. <laughs> it's a good line. If you want to have donuts for breakfast, fine, but there's a cost implication down the line. <laughs> uh, a Conservative MP who's a practising family doctor has said those with medical conditions caused by their lifestyles should pay something towards their medical care in the future. He suggested those with problems like type 2 diabetes are causing an increasing and unsustainable burden on the NHS and suggested some people may have to pay more for the drugs they need. Well, from nine this morning, I want to hear what you think about this. Should people with an unhealthy lifestyle get free health care? 08459 455555. I, for breakfast this morning, had a can of cola. Coca-Cola. Oh, I saw the picture. Yeah, a Twix and a Mars bar. That's not healthy. Why? Because so- it, that's not a good breakfast. Uh, uh, well, okay, the Twix, maybe not, but the Mars and the Coke, mmm. There's loads of sugar in oh, that Coke. for goodness sakes. You're a, you're a scaremonger, you are. Do you know what I had? Go on. Melon and banana. What did you have for breakfast? <laughs> <laughs> I had to. Jonathan, lovely to see you. Enjoy, uh, you. Shall you join your show. Take care. Jonathan Vernon-Smith on at nine o'clock. If you want to get in touch, Show at bbc.co.uk. Call 08459 455 555. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, if you get a parking ticket in the future, have a look at where the parking are parking illegally to dish out tickets. Well, the MP for Hemel Hempstead says he's had enough. Mike Penning has been handed photographic evidence of enforcement fans in disabled bays, across gateways and in bus stops. Morning, Mike. Hi, how you doing? Yeah, I'm fine, thanks. Mike, why have you got involved? Well, the residents down there and the businesses, I have no problem with the parking, the type of parking in Kings Lane. He's actually helped enhance the high street. And people that park illegally, you know, you're going to get a ticket. But it's the way it's been done. And they tried, the businesses have tried to talk to the warden got absolutely nowhere I knew about this a couple of months ago I said look give these guys a chance and still nothing happened and they've been doing it on a regular basis now they do have the powers the council have given them the powers to park illegally if you wish where it's reasonably necessary I don't think that includes parking on zigzag lines at a uh, Pelican Crossing, which is actually obstruction, mm. separate offence. doesn't mean parking in a disabled base. And very often they turn up at about 10 to 7 when the enforcement finishes at 7 and then go and nick people. And I think, quite rightly, the residents down there and the businesses are saying, this is silly, we want to work with you, but don't abuse your powers, don't actually do this to us, because, uh, frankly, it's causing a lot of animosity. Have the residents, you say the residents have gone up and spoken to the wardens directly. Yes. What kind of response have they been getting? Well, they've been, basically, well, 
Um, the business, I know you listened to, I heard you speaking to Jeff from uh, one of the businesses there this yep. morning. Jeff has tried to speak to them. Uh, Oscars, I know the owners of Oscars, the pizza uh, in, in the high street there, have tried to speak to them and got absolutely no. We have the powers to park it. We can do it. Now, technically, they're right. They do. But where it's reasonably necessary, that's what the rules of the current council, who they work for, specifically says in their, their mm. parking zones order of 2009. So I used to be the transport minister. I know the regulations really well. I've checked before I've, you know, Open my mouth if you wish. Yeah. But there's a moral position here as well. You know, why, why park in a disabled parking bay? I've seen the photographs. I've seen the vehicles there. Why park on, on a zigzag on, on a Pelican Crossing? We know that's obstruction. The zigzags are there for a reason because it's dangerous if you park there because it's obstruction. So all I'm trying to do today with the help of Three Kansas Radio is nudge the, the, the wardens down there to, yes, do their job, but doing a little bit more of a moral way. Is there anything that can be done, Mike, to, to clamp down on this behaviour? Well, I've spoke to the chief executive of the Coranborough Council. This company has a contract with the Coranborough Council to do any enforcement. And I say no one in the village that I've, I've come across thinks that people should be parking illegally. It's actually helped the way the council have done the parking and set out the parking in the high street to enhance the high street. It's the moral situation. You know, people do feel that they're being used as cash cows. They do feel that turning up at 10 to 7 when it's suspended at 7 is an obvious situation where they're just trying to get an extra book in that night. And then to just a rub salt in, into the residents' faces down there and the business face by parking in the disabled bay. I mean, you heard, I know this morning, because I've heard the same story, where three disabled people tried to pull up and get into the only disabled bay at that end of the high street yeah. and had to pull away. That's a crazy situation. Mike Pennick, thank you very much indeed. MP for Hemel Hempstead. Well, we spoke to the company's Vinci Parking Services. Uh, sent us a statement saying we work very uh, closely with the client at the council to ensure our traffic wardens comply with correct parking legislation. We'll be in contact with Mike uh, Penning to discuss his issues. Um, and Decorum Borough Council didn't bother to return our calls. Nice one, Decorum. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Residents in Luton are becoming increasingly frustrated by a stinky pong that's polluting the air. I think that's the technical uh, term for it, a stinky pong. The Environment Agency have received more than 30 complaints since July, and they believe that the odour is coming from the Vauxhall IBC plant. Well, Liberal Democrat Councillor David Franks has been calling for something to be done. He joins me now. Good morning, David. Good morning, Ian. What response have you had from the authorities about this issue? Well, both the council's environmental health uh, department and the environment agency keep telling me they're investigating. The, the problem I've got, in is they've been investigating for, what, two years now? And they still say they're not sure where it's coming from or what it is. Well, for goodness sake, it's, a, it's an absolutely foul smell. Um, and smells are made up of gases and um, obviously there's moisture in it. Surely, for goodness, by now they've analysed it and know what it is. Well, if it smells a cat's way, I'm having a load of people tweeting me and emailing saying it's probably ammonia. Well, it could be. Um, on the other hand, it could be a, a, a mixture of things which are perfectly innocent on their own, but when they get together, um, cause a, a, a very nasty pong. But it, it, you know, surely it must have been analog. I mean, one of the things that people are worried about here is until we've got a proper analysis and know what it is, you don't know whether there are any health issues here. Yeah, that's that. I, I guess that's that's the thing that is concerning a lot of people is they don't know what it is. Is there any chance it could be dangerous? Exactly. I mean, it's very. It's certainly unpleasant, there's no question about that. I've witnessed it enough myself. 
two years is a very long time, David. What what can you do to speed this up? Well, I, I, the last thing I've done is I've emailed. Um, I only did this on Friday, to be fair, so I haven't had a response yet. But I emailed the key people at the Environment Agency and at the Council's Environmental Health and told them that I think they've been messing about for quite long enough. Would they please tell me exactly what they're doing? If I don't get a satisfactory response from that, I'm just going to have to escalate the thing, aren't I? And where can you take it to next, David? How can you escalate it? Well, as far as the council's concerned, of course, I can take it to um, to the chief, chief executive okay. in the Environment Agency. There are there are higher levels than the one I'm talking to at the moment. David, listen, thank you very much. David Franks, he's the Liberal Democrat councillor. Uh, Vauxhall of, of uh, uh, no, and the Environment Agency have sent me... It's a six-point statement. I'm not reading that. I wouldn't even read that in my spare time. I'm not going to read it out on the radio. Um, is this from... Vo- Vauxhall continues to investigate the source of the odours allegedly emanating from its Luton van plant. Despite, work- despite working tirelessly with its internal experts, a number of external specialists and the Environment Agency, it has yet to in- identify the source. Investigations are ongoing. Yeah, two years? Doesn't take two- I'll tell you how you find a smell. What you do is you sniff, and when the smell gets stronger, you're getting closer to it, and when it gets weaker, you're going the other way. That's all you have to do, isn't it? Don't send me a six-point statement, for goodness sakes. The chances of me reading that are absolutely zero. On FM, AM and online, BBC Three Counties Radio. I'm getting more and more annoyed. I'm going to do the papers in a second. Let me just pick them up because I toss them carelessly on the floor. It does annoy me. All these statements that come through... Oh, dearie me. Don't send me a statement. Send someone on. Put, put someone on. Uh, companies and, and, and uh, government agencies, let me tell you, if, if you hear a statement being read by me in my sarcastic voice, the listeners aren't going to feel any empathy or sympathy for your point. If you put someone up who can, you know, put forward your points, then they might be a little bit more interested in what you have to say. Uh, here's something. I'm, I'm genuinely quite excited about a, a guest that's on Nick Coffer's show. Uh, between 12 and 3. Um, talking to lots of guests, but the one that sticks out here is Richard Germain, right, who uh, is, is going to be answering questions. It's titled here, Have you ever wondered if things you see in films could ever really happen? Richard Germain tells us whether a man could run for three years and two months like Forrest Gump. Now, that, to me, has totally got me hooked on the Nick Coffer show. I, for example, would like to ask Richard Germain, would it be possible to slingshot a spaceship around the sun like they do in Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, and send it back in time to 1984? That's the question I'd like to ask. Uh, well, th- th- that's one of the many guests that Nick has got, off on, uh, got on uh, his show from midday today, between uh, 12 and 3. It's always a cracking show, but Richard Germain sounds like the kind of man I'd like to hang out with and uh, go for a coffee with. Text 81333. Start your message with 3CR. Text charged at the standard network rate. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, 8.32, here until 9 o'clock, and then it's Jonathan Vernon Smith coming up in the next half an hour of the show. Conservative MP, who is a practising family doctor, has said that those with medical conditions caused by their lifestyles should pay something towards their health care in the future. I thought we did. I thought it was called tax, isn't it? Uh, and Nadine Doris, MP for Mid Bedfordshire, is meeting with the uh, Chief Whip this morning. What's your opinion of her now that she's out of the jungle? This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. 
On the subject of Nadine Doris, Pat is in Houghton Regis. Morning, Pat. Good morning, Ian. What's, what's your take on this? Well, my opinion's changed. Changed to one of support for her now. I think that uh, she is a maverick kind of MP, and that's the sort of MPs we need in this country. So you were, you were uh, against her when she initially went into the jungle, is that right? I was, because you're fed up with the, you know, the MPs in general. You, you tar them all with the same brush, yeah. and you think, oh, not another MP. And that's how you see it. But now, you know, you've seen her on the TV programme. You actually remember what she was like before she went, which was very vocal and very out on her own. And they're the type of uh, MPs that actually make things work. Do you think it's appropriate, Pat, for a a serving member of the British Parliament to appear on television in front of 12 million people eating uh, an orangutan's anus? (laughs) <laughs> you put it like that, I mean, it's each to their own taste, isn't it? I prefer McDonald's and other food outlets, you know? Well, I, I would as well as a choice, but do you think, do you, do you see what I mean? Because that's what she did, she ate some, something, something's bum, I don't know what it was, but that's what she did. Do you think that that's appropriate? She's an MP. Well, I think more MPs should do the same and eat those kind of things. It might, you know, wake them up a bit to what we all want. Okay, so you've you've now come round and you're you're, you're quite excited about her being being an MP again, and you think she's done politics a, a, a bit of a good job. I think she has done politics a bit of a good job. Yeah, she's out, she's out on her own at the moment, and uh, but I don't suppose she's out on her own for much longer with the support she'll probably get from her local constituents because they will probably change. I would hope. Pat, can I just go off on a slight tangent while I've got you on the line? Yeah. Can I ask you what did, what did you have for breakfast this morning? I had a porridge and an apple. Oh, so that's quite healthy. Are you are you yeah. normally quite a healthy person? No. Ah, what, what sort I, uh, of things do you normally eat? Well, we've heard you like burgers. Yeah, I like donuts that you mentioned earlier, but uh, on that MP who said that we should all pay for a healthier you know, lifestyle yeah. towards our treatment, well, we do, don't we? We always pay. We keep paying. When does it stop? But there could be something in what he's saying. He's basically, and we'll go into a bit more detail in a bit, he's basically saying if you lead a really unhealthy lifestyle, if you eat really badly um, and you do things that aren't good for you, then maybe you should pay a little bit more. And there is kind of something in that, isn't there, Pat? I mean, well, smokers, if you're a heavy smoker... And you're constantly yeah. going in for problems with your lungs and your breathing and stuff like that. Yeah. Something that you could possibly avoid if you didn't smoke. Then th- th- there's something in asking them to pay a bit more, isn't there? Well, in the current climate, not of our doing, I'd probably like to turn to smoking and have a few bevies, but I don't do that at the moment. But a lot of people in the country would probably enjoy going back to smoking and drinking what you've got to lose. You know, no one's got any money anymore. So. Pat, listen, thank you very much indeed. 08459 455 555. We'll talk about that in a bit. But surely if you're, if you're, if you're a smoker, right, and you're constantly suffering from asthma or breathing problems or, uh, you know, you, your lungs, it kind of makes sense that you should pay a little bit more. And if you're, if you're eating just junk all the time like i, I joked i did have a, a, a can of pop and um, some chocolate this morning it's, it's <laughs> surprisingly i had to drink the pop for medical reasons i've been told to drink a load of caffeine i have it's true um and the the, the chocolate because i was hungry I, I don't normally eat like that but if you do eat like that all the time and you're you know fat <laughs> Surely you should contribute a bit more, shouldn't you? I don't know. Oh, wait, four five nine four double five five double five. Uh Jerry and Luton has emailed in. It's a long email. I'll, I'll do my best to, to, to get through it. Can someone tell us why there's all this fuss over Nadine Doris? True, she's had some time away, but would there have been such a fooly if she'd needed to take time out due to an illness or other personal problem? Well, no, probably not. Yeah. Had it not been for the press and the media, 
none of her constituents would have known about her going on I'm a Celebrity. Well, hang on, they would have seen her on I'm a Celebrity, Jerry. I'm picking holes in this email as we, as we stomp through it quite easily. Of those interviewed and allegedly angry a few weeks ago, how many of them would have called on her services anyway? Also, how many of those interviews from a few weeks ago were not broadcast because they supported her? Uh, well, Jerry, be careful. We um, try and put a very fair representation forward. We certainly, certainly not on this show, and I would imagine not on the BBC because we're probably not allowed to, uh, would certainly not skew it towards one bias or another. So, naughty Jerry. The Dean sounds like a strong-minded representative who is not afraid of going the extra mile to get herself heard. Far better that than hide behind the protection of Parliament that other MPs do. Whilst in the jungle, she did nothing controversial and said nothing to cause offence, but is forced to answer both the press and Parliament. More strength to people like Nadine Doris, as for Jerry in Luton. Across beds, hearts and bugs, this is BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, just talking about this uh, briefly with Pat, it's a story that's in some of the papers today. Keen to get your uh, uh, views on it. If you live an unhealthy lifestyle, should you pay more for your health care? Conservative MP Dr Philip Lee, who is a practising GP, <laughs> rhymes, is, suggested, is suggesting that those with problems like type 2 diabetes should do just that. He says such diseases are increasing and, un- and an unsustainable burden on the NHS. So he suggests some people may have to pay more for the drugs they need. Well, Dr Adrian Rogers is the former director of the Conservative Family Institute. Good morning, Doctor. Hello, morning. Do you agree with this? Well, I sort of agree because, over. I mean, I've just retired as a GP and I've spent 40 years practising medicine never having to think about the cost of treatment. And that's a great luxury both for myself and for all the patients that we've had. Mm. But the fact is... The country is overdrawn, it is heading for bankruptcy, and there will come a time when we simply can't afford that. Now, when that happens, that's when the rats start eating each other, and people quite legitimately will say, well, if because you eat too much, you need medication to to live longer, i.e. most patients with type 2 diabetes, and if because you drink too much and you become dependent on alcohol or drugs, you need um, medication to stay alive. Why should other people pay for that when there isn't any money? But we all pay for it via tax and national insurance and things like that anyway, don't we? We do. I'm a high-rate taxpayer. I start work on the 1st of January and don't earn a penny for myself until the middle of September. So I spend, like everybody else who pays high-rate tax, um, 80% of the year, well... If you pay 45% tax, 25% uh, and 20% VAT, yep. then, um, then you are actually um, spending 60% of your life working for the government. Now, that is not sustainable, and we're still overdrawn. Mm. Doctor, I had two bars of chocolate and a, a can of pop for my breakfast today. Should I be denied treatment? Um, it depends if you're fat. If you're, uh, well, and at the moment, of course, you shouldn't be uh, denied treatment. So if because you eat, um, if because, I'd rather not personalise it, if a person eats I don't mind, listen, Andrew, I don't mind you, I don't mind you personalising it on me, I'm just using me just because that's the example, (laughs) so so say what you want about me, sir, I won't be offended. (laughs) Well, I wouldn't be so mean or rude, and I can't see if you are fat or thin, but if because you indulge yourself, you then need treatment, and this might be... This might include some aspects of plastic surgery, but the sort of people who really cost the health service millions and millions are 
the um, mature onset diabetes type do from people who simply have eaten too much. And, of course, the growing number of youngsters who drunk too much. Yeah. So there are people who are burdens on the health service, and eventually, when the money runs out, doctors are going to plump to treat people with cancer and curable conditions and medicine that they know is truly effective because they're going to have to ration it. So fat, fat people should pay more. I'm not saying that at the, not the moment. I'm just tossing these ideas around, Doctor. If I'm not going to hold you to this. Don't worry. Well, if you're fat and you're healthy, excellent. You don't need any treatment. You can get on with life. Mm. But if you're fat and because you're fat, you've gained such weight that you develop diabetes, then that is the sort of illness which is avoidable. And that, I suspect, is why Dr. Lee has raised this issue. Smokers? Well, smokers are rather interesting because... Um, of course, everyone should stop smoking. Smokers die um, r- usually fairly quickly. If they ha- get, get lung cancer, they're dead within um, you know months, and so that's tragic. But uh, so they don't—they're not there for long-term uh, care when you're when they're elderly. Right. COPD smokers, people who get um, chronic lung disease, usually known as emphysema. Um, now they do take a great burden on the health service, but it would be a very very hard world that didn't treat that sort of case the money would have had to be in really dire circumstances one really feels sorry for these people you know they're either short of breath or just stunned that actually they've got a cancer that they were warned about for years yes doctor listen it's fascinating i could talk all morning dr adrian rogers a former director of the conservative family institute what do you think dear listener should we should some people who perhaps um encourage their conditions should they be forced to pay a little bit more or have their tr- treatment withdrawn one it, gastric bands always strikes me as odd that you can get those on the nhs and i know that eating is not it's not as simple as saying well just eat less for some people it is for a lot of people it is walk more eat less some people it's not it, it is like an addiction and an addiction is uh, addiction is a medical condition it's recognized by the world health organization as such so addiction to drugs and addiction to alcohol and food are it, it's recognized as a medical condition but gastric bands on the nhs um, i don't know oh eight four five nine four double five five double five jonathan vernon smith JVS himself will be carrying on this discussion at nine o'clock and asking, should people with unhealthy lifestyles get free health care? The question is slightly loaded because, of course, the health care isn't free because we do pay for it with our NI and with our tax. So it's not exactly free. We are contributing to it. And you should therefore be able to dip into it. I know what smokers would say. Smokers would say they keep the NHS going with the amount of tax that they pay. 08459 455 555 if you want to come and talk to me before 9 o'clock. If you want to get in touch with uh, Jonathan and maybe appear in his show, then send him an email, jvsshow at bbc.co.uk. Call 08459 
Nadine Doris, who's going to be a guest on Jonathan's show uh, at about 11 o'clock this morning, says she's now the best-known in MP, uh, best-known MP, sorry, in Britain, following her appearance on I'm a Celebrity. Speaking on her return to the UK, she insists she will stay as a Tory MP and will fight the next election in mid-Bedfordshire. Well, BBC Three Counties reporter Justin Dealey is in Westerling this morning. Justin, have you fired off your horn much this morning? <laughs> Not too much. We'd like, like another blast right now. Yeah, go like on. Another blast. Yes, please. What a yob. So welcome home, What party. a yob. <laughs> Absolute yob, yes. But um, lots of opinions coming in. You've been asking the question this morning. Has your opinion changed now she's back? A few moments ago, I spoke to Barry. Uh, I don't think it makes any difference at all. I think she's just a bit on a publicity stunt, that's all. She says that she is the, the most famous MP in the country right now, which is hard to disagree with. Is that not a good thing? Because she might be able to, to champion local people like yourself when, when your concerns come up. No, we did have the problem with, with Hamilton's uh, some time ago, and that, that died very quickly, and I think the same with Hamilton with Noreen Doris. So you think she has let local people down? Uh, I don't think she's done any good for them. In saying that, of course, she's saying that she had three days off as a holiday. Was it <laughs> at £40,000 a time? Yes. <laughs> Which apparently is going to charity. Yeah. I mean, yeah. is, the, is the whole thing slightly embarrassing? Because she is an MP, she's on a reality TV show. Is that embarrassing, yes or no? I think it was unnecessary for an MP, an MP to go down that direction, quite frankly. To a lot get of people are saying, a lot of people are saying, people like yourself, we don't agree, you need to get a life. Just lastly, how would you react to that? Uh, uh, I think she'd have been better staying at home and um, doing, doing her job. So the words are Barry there. We heard from people earlier on who are backing Nadine Dorries. There is a gentleman who has just gone into the newsagent. He's now going to come over to the radio car, I think, and join us live. He's got some uh, interesting views on this. Um, of course, Nadine Dorries has that very important meeting at 10 o'clock this morning with the Chief Whip. I can tell you, Ian, that I saw Nadine driving through the village at about 8.35 this morning. Did she so stop and say on... hello? No, she didn't, no. no. And she wasn't impressed by my horn by the look of her face. OK, who's this gentleman here? What's your name, sir? Uh, my name is Harry Arnold. Harry, welcome. You're live on Three Counties Radio. Now Nadine Dorries is back, your local MP. What's your opinion? I think she should get back to the jungle. She was doing far better out there than she did as an MP in this country. So she's never helped you or, or local people, in your opinion? No. Not no. at all? No, she's self-opinionated. If she's supposed to be a member of a political party, she should be deporting it, uh, supporting it, mm. not criticising it. In saying that, though, just lastly, she's been saying, well, I've been on national television, lots of people now know who I am, I'm the most famous MP in the whole of the country. If you have got an issue, if you have got a problem, and you now go to Nadine Dorries, she might be listened to more. Do you, do you kind of take that on board? No. She'll just try and get self-publicity out of it. Is she an embarrassment? Yes. Thank you very much, Nadine, for your time. So the opinions earlier on were certainly in favour of Nadine. Mm. Uh, in the last 25 minutes or so, more people coming to the radio car saying, well, I've heard your comments this morning. I totally disagree. I want to have my say. And, of course, she will be on the JBS show later on today. But uh, the, the reaction over the past few weeks has been absolutely fascinating. It really has. It's, you know, now completely unscientific surveys that we are not really carrying out. It, it would appear, Justin, wouldn't it, that, that opinion has changed in mm. the last couple couple of weeks. Well, you say opinions change. I think you made an interesting point earlier on, Ian, when you said, yeah, good morning to you, sir. Uh, when you said that now she's back, a lot of people might be scared. I mean, she, she, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she, she, she is quite intimidating. We saw her lots um, yesterday on television. She, she is quite an intimidating lady. So, so now maybe she's back. People say, well, good on her. Well, we certainly never heard from those people three weeks ago. We didn't hear she much, was on did the front we? page of the national paper saying, I'm going on to I'm a Celebrity, get me out of here. Of course, the first MP to do so. Justin, listen, thank you very much.
much. Excellent stuff as always. And as you heard, uh, Nadine Doris will be on JVS show at 11 o'clock. His, his show's kind of moving around a little bit to accommodate her, which I think is very, very kind of him. But it's, it's definitely going to be worth the listen. Shirley's in Milton, Cle- uh, Milton Keynes. Good morning, Shirley. Good morning. Uh, what, Good morning. Do you, what do you think about Nadine Doris coming back? Well, <laughs> personally, I don't like her. I think she came across as being very false. On the t- on the I'm on a celebrity. The yes, and I think she was trying far too hard to be friendly. You but know, may- be- maybe she is. Maybe she is friendly. And uh, that well, I don't have that opinion. But then that that's my opinion. Right. Um, but what gives her the right? Does she think she's more important than the prime minister? More well known than the prime minister? Who the heck does she think she is? Well, I- in her defence, Shirley, she's been on TV. A lot more than the Prime Minister in the last couple of weeks. Been seen by a lot more people. If you add up all the viewers of I'm a Celebrity and compare that to the viewers of of the news or whatever Cameron's been on, she's been seen by a lot more people. Well, maybe she has, but I I, I don't think she's done herself any good, to be honest. You don't think that... I don't think so. I mean, she says that um, she's had lots of political discussions with people in the jungle. Is she so naive as to think that the that the ITV are really going to show that? Do you like the Jungle Programme, Shirley? I do, I love it. I watch it every year. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you think's going to win it? Um, I don't know. I think David, actually. Oh, the boxer? Yes, I do. Oh, I, no, I, you're wrong. Shall I tell you who's going to win? Who? The crafty Cockney, Eric Bristow. I don't want him to win. Why? I think he's very rude and arrogant. Oh, he's I not... I think he... he's nasty. No, but the, the, the Eric Bristow, the crafty yes, Cockney, nasty? Yes, I don't like him. He's Britain's greatest sportsman. I don't care what he is. I don't like him. Mm, surely, OK. Thank you very much indeed. After Jeff Capes, the crafty Cockney is Britain's greatest sportsman, without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, Fee's in Luton. Morning, Fee. Morning. Talking about uh, health care, do you yeah. think you should have to uh, pay more for your health care if um, you lead a, a, a spectacularly unhealthy lifestyle? To be honest, I, it would be nice if people could, but I, I think it's unfair and unrealistic. Why? Because with a lot of the health problems people have is related to low income and poverty right. and, and a lack of knowledge. Um, for example, vegetables is quite expensive. And yes, people can go for walks and do a lot of exercise, but that knowledge has never, you know, nationally or or in through the school curriculum been shared. Well, no, hang on. Well, hang on. Yeah, the, the knowledge... Fee, fee, you, what, what knowledge do you need in the school curriculum to know that going for a walk is healthy? Everyone knows that. No, but uh, how did everyone know that? Well, when well, I was going through school, that wasn't taught. You, you, you don't get taught that. You know and... that. Fee, you know. You knew when you were, uh, were at say. school. You knew when you were at school that going for a walk and doing a little bit of exercise was healthy. You knew that. I'm going to say that I learned that as I went along. Oh, at what age did I you learn? That that, went... At what age did you learn that a little bit of exercise was healthy? About when I was about, wait, 12, 13. Right. But I enjoyed running about anyway. Yeah. But to understand that you need to continue that and long term and eat more healthily. Oh, come on. No. Fee. I'm going to be honest, Ian. Ian, I don't think it's the system's fair. Fee, you disappoint me. You, you, hang on, Fee, listen, I want to get this right, because I want to make sure that we're, we're, we're speaking the same language here. You're telling me that, that people don't know that eating burgers and chips and drinking fizzy pop, they, people think that's a healthy thing to do. No, what I'm going to say is that people are aware, but it's what's affordable. Right. The cost of chicken and chips compared to having 
a proper freshly cooked meal with vegetables, if you compare it with the money that people have in their pocket, Wrong. people are, are more likely to choose... No, that's laziness. That's laziness. Cheaper... That's laziness. No, you... I won't agree with that, no, well, I can't you, agree with that. You will agree with it, young lady. I'm telling you, you will agree with it. <laughs> you, don't, don't laugh, this is serious. Fee, it is cheaper. Go, go, if you go and buy yourself a few vegetables, you'll knock up a salad that'll last you for a couple of days. That's cheaper than going and getting chicken and chips. It's not always... Ian, I have sat down and done this with young people looking at yeah. cost-effectiveness. It's not always cheap. It's not all... I went and looked at some joints yesterday. Beg your pardon? It's well expensive. I mean, I'm like... When I say joints... Meat Mi- joints. Meat joints, like meat joints. okay. And beef joints. Yes, yes. And stuff like that. They're expensive when you want to cook up a more healthy meal. And it splits people into the camp of deserving and undeserving. Okay, Felix, and we have to move on. Thank you for being a good sport. Let's go to uh, Jason in Hitchin. Morning, Jason. Good morning. We've got about a minute, sir. What's your take on this? Um, I think the the MP that's saying that if people have to pay more, I agree with him in one respect. They need to tax unhealthy foods and unhealthy lifestyle choices. Yeah. But by the same token, they need to reduce the tax on the stuff that's healthy. Um, and regarding your lady that's just been on it, it's far, far more cost-effective to buy fresh vegetables and meat. Um, you don't all sit it, don't sit and eat it all in one sitting. If you cook a chicken, there's a Sunday meal, there's a cold meat and chips, and if you're lucky, there'll be a curry in the middle of the week. Do you think, Jason, that maybe it's people that they don't have the knowledge of, of how to cook? People don't know how to cook. They don't know how to get three meals out of a chicken anymore. Absolutely. Whereas my mum, and you probably your mum, knew exactly how to do that. Well, m- me and my wife can both do it. So yeah. it's, it's something that we've learned from our parents. But we also had home economics at school. Yes. Where boys and girls had to do... Cooking. Yes, <laughs> we had that as well. I, we had home economics. I remember my teacher, Mrs Bartram, I didn't get on with her very well. Um, and we would... She, she worked in the kitchen, the, the room, home economics room. And to heat the room up, she would have all of the ovens on, open, with all the gas to heat the room up. Imagine that these days. That's it! The end of another show, back tomorrow at six o'clock. If you enjoyed that discussion about healthcare, stick around, because Jonathan Vernon-Smith will be carrying it on. He's coming up after the news with Catherine. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian.